I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. Well, here it is. It's 2018, and it's the first podcast of the year, and it's also the two-year anniversary of Trainwrecks, which is pretty wild. Um, as we go into the third year here, uh, I'm going to try and, and keep it up with cool guests and uh, not take as many breaks, but who knows? Let's see what happens. Uh, I don't know how 2017 was for you, but I'll tell you one thing. I've had better. But uh, it's currently January, so I'm still feeling optimistic about the year ahead. Uh, society is currently a dumpster fire, but honestly, that doesn't really keep me down at all. Uh, musically, I'm still really excited. I think there's a lot of great music coming out, so we've got that going for us, which is good. And the one thing I've noticed about 2017 is that it was kind of uh, more of a revival year than probably any other year in the past decade. Um, I love old records probably more than anybody, but musically, I don't want to end up like the middle-aged white dude we've all seen a million times. You know the type, the guy who still listens to Ario Speedwagon, Journey, and Motley Crue. I mean, I got nothing against Motley Crue, but it's always important to keep thinking and going forward with music. Um, that being said, there's a lot of innovation and revitalization happening in genres like R&B, folk, and jazz. Uh, these stale genres are getting a breath of fresh air, thanks in part to people like Kendrick Lamar. Um, you got names like Thundercat and Kamashi Washington, who are not only filling bigger venues... But they're feeling it with kids. And, well, 20-somethings anyway. Uh, I get it. That music might not be your cup of tea, but you get the point. Still, with all this in mind, I'm left wondering what the hell is going on with techno. Um, end of the year lists. Uh, they not only predictably steered clear of peak time club records, but they favored records which almost abandoned dance music altogether. Uh, few, if any, techno records or albums were actually featured in end-of-the-year lists, save for something like uh, Groove Mag, uh, which is kind of DJ-focused. Media outlets reiterated a few points uh, numerous times, not just in end-of-the-year lists, but throughout the year. Uh, a lot of them are kind of taking a dig and saying that the dark, sleek, and hypnotic techno sound, a.k.a. me, is stale as fuck. I disagree, but I get what you're getting at. Sometimes it is. They also say that trance is back, and we're supposed to be thrilled about it. Um, a lot of us weren't thrilled about it the first time around in the 90s. And, uh, you know, lastly, it seems like the DJ's highlights from their sets were most often old hits. And by hits, I don't just mean, hey, it cracked the Beatport Top 100, but I'm talking about records that sold... 50 to 100,000 copies in the 90s, maybe even more. I could go in-depth on all three of those points, but I'll save that for future episodes. For now, I'll just throw a couple thoughts out there. One, I play anthems all the time, so I'm not trying to talk shit here, but if the biggest point of your set is playing a record that used to get played on the radio or MTV about 15 to 20 years ago, you're probably not doing a very good job. What does that say about the new stuff that you're picking up now? And what does that say about your skills as DJ, selector, and reading the room? And uh, I guess my main point is, does anybody give a shit anymore? 
you know, the records that people are talking about are usually just old records. DJs seem more disinterested as ever. They rarely talk about new music in a positive light, and rarely does their body language exhibit any kind of excitement. So what the hell is going on with techno music? Has it lost the excitement? Is it stale? I don't know. I still buy a lot of techno records personally, but they're not exactly the 3 a.m. peak time bangers either. Uh, my hope is that end-of-the-year lists sing a different tune a year from now. The only way for this to change is for producers to make music that, you know, they actually like, rather than focusing on making tracks to get bookings. Unfortunately, that's not looking very likely. Uh, thanks for tuning in. It's 7.45 p.m. and, uh, balmy 48 degrees this evening. Up next is our special guest, Anthony Parasoli. He's a resident from both Bergheim and Output, on top of being a music producer and record label owner. That's right, Ant's back, and it has been a while since he was on the show. Uh, since that time, he recently released a record on Joseph Capriati's label. Uh, earlier this year, he released an album on Deck Mantle, where he supported the album with a big-ass tour, chock-full of all-night-long dates. And uh, he's also got a label called The Corner, which he recently reactivated with a couple releases and a handful of other things that he'll go into on the podcast. It's always good to have Anthony on the show. I hope you dig it. If you do, share the episode online, subscribe to iTunes, write reviews, all that good shit. And uh, hey, take good care of yourself this year. Enjoy the episode. What's happening, kid? What's going on, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Been a minute since you were here. Um, yeah, I think like a year and a half, two years almost. Almost, yeah. We tried to get you on sooner, it just wasn't possible because you've been busy as hell this year. Trying to do work, man. We got <laughs> we got lots to go over. We we got to catch up, not only uh, for the show, but we haven't uh, caught up in a while as friends. So I know, man. It's uh, we're keeping busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yep. You know, you're but, working on things. I'm working on things. So let's start with the weekend. Though, how was your weekend? It was a. Interesting weekend. Uh, I played Sheffield on Friday, mm-hmm. and it was freezing. Yeah, when I mean freezing. Oh, that's right. Wasn't it like uh, snowing? Yes, yeah, snowing. Like it was ridiculous. So, I guess what is it? Thirty-two degrees is zero. Yeah. So it was below zero, and I played this huge uh, warehouse, and it was uh, me, more alien, uh, move D, this girl high. Mm-hmm. And a couple other DJs. Really nice lineup. Well-rounded. Me, M- Move D were in the the big warehouse. Was he playing house or techno? Or? Ha- house, but okay. you know he he's a little he's, bit yeah up. Anyway, I get there. I'm I'm closing, so it's like you know I'm supposed to start around fourish. I walk in around three fifteen. The warehouse, the the entrance is a garage door. Mm-hmm. So. They couldn't close the door for safety precautions. Oh, man. Bro, it was like... <laughs> Standing outside, basically. Worse. is There was no one in the room except for like two people. So there was like a second room, which mm-hmm. was like a black box, and it mm-hmm. was like a hot box. So everybody was jammed in there, you know? And uh, they had a lot of people, but they definitely lost a lot through because it was freezing. So I mm-hmm. start, and uh, pff, maybe 10 people max... So mm-hmm. then they asked the girl if I can tag team with her. She said, yeah. And then we went and we did like an improv two, three hour jam. And it was sick. And she was a badass DJ, man, an incredible talent. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. And we totally vibed and we had a good, good, good fun. And 
Yeah, it was great. And then uh, I had to wake up and go to Switzerland and I drove through the snow. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and uh, the gig in Switzerland was bananas. It was packed. And uh, yeah, it was a great show. Great energy. Nice. The yeah. young, the young kids today. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to sound like an old. <laughs> yeah, guy, you're young already a, you're already on your way. But go on, <laughs> man. They they treat techno like it's a soccer game. Like get on people's shoulders, got flags, screaming and yelling. It's a totally Definitely. different thing, man. It's like it's not really a club environment as, as like it used to be. It's a production now. It's like yeah. a not a concert, but like an event. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, there's pros and cons to that. There, you know what I mean? Like, there's just as in, you know, let's say 15 years ago, the rave scene had its pros and cons. Um, I mean, I, I like the idea. The flakes thing to me at first, I think, coming from the States when we don't have to worry about, the, you know, there's one country there, basically. Yeah. So I, I think it's cool. But after a while, it's like when you see a lot of flags, I also, I dig the idea that, like, okay, we got some, you know, Swiss fans out there are Italian or something, but like sometimes you got to put the flags down and just fucking party. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean it's like not much dancing, but it's like rooting, like like really rooting, like it's like mm-hmm. a, like a, a soccer match. You know, <laughs> like it's it's a totally unique environment, man. That I'm, I'm definitely not used to DJing in, but it's cool. It's, it's all it's all a learning curve. Right on. And where were you in Switzerland? Uh, I think the venue is called La Crocs or something like that. Okay. Uh, Super Red. It was okay. Sick. Nice. Yeah, I had a I had a troublesome weekend. I sat on an EasyJet plane for seven hours. We got rerouted because of weather. No and, shit. Uh, that's the thing. Like people got to realize, man. Like if you're a uh, well, for those who are in America, EasyJet would be like a Spirit or like one of those budget airlines. Yeah. Uh, and it's really efficient for like taking a weekend trip wherever or at least in terms of this show going to party somewhere yeah. yeah but i'll tell you what man those services don't really uh they don't take care of you when things when when everything works well it's great when things go bad you're on your own basically yeah i mean EasyJet is pretty punctual though like they of of those that lo- and ryanair yeah they yeah. have to be because they get fined I'm, I'm hearing that ryanair might be finished too yeah, I mean, well, they were having troubles with Air Berlin, I think, right? Yeah, I think. Around the same time or something. Yeah, I think that, you know, because Air Berlin's gone, I think they were, they're, from what I've read, they're, they're the next to go. Like, I mean, they're pretty close to, to hitting the, the, the bricks. Well, you know, shit happens. <laughs> anyway, my biggest dilemma, you know, this is, this is something I need to bring up because there's promoters that listen to this show. I didn't get picked up this uh the promoter didn't pick me up for the flight back to the air or the ride back to the airport. No and that shit. shit is like the worst case scenario as a promoter. That's the worst thing you can do. No you know? pickup. If it, 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 that sets me off, it's like Dude, one of the things, man, that drives me bananas. I didn't. I was. I didn't have any cash on me, and this is one of those countries where credit cards aren't really taken in cars. Yeah. So basically, um, I had to convince the hotel to. To flip the bill for the for the taxi because right. I was like I I'm already supposed to be there in 15 minutes and it takes at least 20 to get there and now you have to order a taxi. Long story short, I made it because the weather was bad again and the plane was delayed. But it's like people don't real and I, I've had this happen a lot. And I spoke to another little hotshot DJ this weekend. He said the same thing that like no driver came and he knew after like five minutes he's like this driver isn't coming just got a taxi right away and and made his way to the airport and everything was fine but it's like you know if you are a 
DJ, if say it's a Friday night gig, and if if you don't get that talent to the airport on Saturday, that means that promoter can miss out on that gig. Yeah. You know, and that could be you too. You know what I mean? And um, like, yeah, for me, I was just going home, so it's not the end of the world, but it's like, it's a fucking disaster. It's the worst thing you can do. Yeah. How was the gig? It was all right, you know. Um, basically, I'm at this point right now where I'm really trying to try a lot of different things with DJing or try out different ideas and shit like that. So mm-hmm. it's like I'm kind of just taking any opportunity I can to really like go outside the box a little bit. And if it doesn't work out, I don't get as upset about it. Whereas before, I was more likely to play it safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's cool, so, man. I mean, I think you're making dope music. I think the music is reflecting. I think the music is reflecting your, uh, you know, maybe your DJ sets. Like the last time I heard you play, you were playing deep. You, you know, yeah. you were moving it around. You were pumping it. I thought it was, you know, I can see, I could see growth. You Thank know, you. From, yeah. from like, you know, a few years ago when I was going to hear you play. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to push it. I mean, a few years ago, I was very okay and comfortable with the idea that it's like all right tech because you know techno was full fucking force at that point mm-hmm. you know two three years ago at least and i was like i was okay with the idea of like i want to push the big room thing as much as i can or do it the best that i can yeah and i feel like i've done that and i'm done with that shit now yeah, yeah. like i want it behind me and now i'm moving on to something else but you know it's always good to keep keep yourself on your toes a little bit no, nah, I mean, you know, if you, you can keep yourself fresh and inspired, then, you know, that's going to give the best to you. Yeah, it ain't easy, though, you know? You always got to look for new inspiration. Maybe you're easily inspired, but, you know, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I went through a really, you know, bad down period, like, uh, over a year ago, where mm-hmm. when I was DJing, I was actually looking at the clock, like, I just couldn't wait to be done, you know? I was, mm-hmm. like, I was like, really not enjoying playing out. Yeah. I don't know if that was because I was playing a lot of gigs or something, but I, I definitely was, like... At a breaking point. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I took some time off and I kind of like reset myself. And then when I reset myself and uh, I got back on the road again, which was like, you know, after the summer last year, not, mm-hmm. th- not this summer, I was like a new man. And I've I've been really loving DJing and pushing at my, my limits and doing all kinds of cool shit and really pushing my envelope. Not afraid to take chances. I've been, I don't care, man. I've been doing everything, playing hip hop, techno, house, all kinds of music, you know. I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm knocking the walls down as much as I can. Well, th- that was one of the things I wanted to bring up because um, actually we haven't discussed any of it yet. But you've had a new album, you've had EPs and everything in the course of the past year, which also led to an all night tour. Yep. Um, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Let's do it. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that only in the states, or like at least focused on the states for that leg? Or no, it, the all night tour was uh, no, North and, and South America. Okay. Uh, I played uh, in Canada. I played in uh, Stereo, mm-hmm. which was actually badass. I mean, it's always badass. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I played for the first time Stereo Bar. Okay, I love Stereo Bar. Yeah, it's a cool room, man. I, yeah. I didn't know what to expect, and the room went off, and it was a big night. Like they had me and Stereo Bar and, and Jeff Mills and, and Stereo, mm-hmm. so I mean it seemed like people were primed, and a lot of people traveled from New York to go to it because they're mm-hmm. like, oh, here's an opportunity to hear Jeff, and Jeff's not really in New York, and they were like, oh, I'm gonna go hear Anthony too. Yeah. So a lot of people from New York actually went to this, and the room was fully rammed by like 10:30. Yeah. 
That's you, awesome. Which is um, awesome because it's an early it's an early thing. Stereo bar. Uh, so people don't know stereo bar is where they serve the alcohol, and then I think at three a.m. they clo- cut it at three. Yeah, they close it and open the, the and then they room. open the big room, which is stereo. And, uh, that, that's, and, that, and that's the after hours and there's no alcohol. Yeah, it's a juice bar, basically. It's a juice bar, yeah, yeah. Um, and both rooms are killer, but the stereo bar was built, I want to say, like two years ago, maybe yeah. even three. Amazing custom sound system. It's incredible. Yeah, you but know? both rooms got it. The banana sound oh, yeah. systems. Insane. And yeah. they, they have their own vibes, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I did the stereo bar, I think, last summer, and I wasn't – because I did – the other room a few times and I, I got to know it and now i was a little hesitant but man i i have to say i almost prefer the stereo bar so <laughs> yeah i mean i i've had great experiences in stereo and uh, i'd prefer to play stereo mm-hmm. but that's just my vibe yeah but uh stereo bar is like it's a killer gig and and i wouldn't be like i was reluctant when i took it but then well, but they got mills upstairs so i was like oh, i'm not gonna know who, who the fuck am i to be like no exactly. no mills is playing stereo bar and i'm going upstairs <laughs> yeah not gonna happen so i took the gig and it was it turned out to be a fantastic gig and people traveling to it made it even better it was just a, the whole tour was special i can't tell you how many people flown the gig to, 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 to dates that i played to come hear me People from New York came to Washington, D.C. People from New York came to Canada. People from Chicago went to Detroit when I played Detroit. People from Detroit went to Chicago. It was like all this cool. like That's awesome. It was sick, man. It was so cool that how, how it worked out. And um, the, the tour was a huge success. I would say 99% of the, the shows were completely sold out. Um, and uh, they were all u- unique to, to themselves. Mm-hmm. I tried to play fresh pr- playlists and, f- you know, give different textures to each, yeah. one, each one because each one was different. Each environment was different. Yeah. So, like, in Detroit, it was like a proper warehouse party, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was killer, dude. So it started at midnight and went to 7 a.m. And, you know, it's like Detroit, you know, 500 people, you know, a, a proper box, brick walls banging huge sound system so you know i played that appropriately for that, that mm-hmm. environment and it got really cool it became like you know people getting naked girls sweating and it was, it was totally rad that's awesome but then you know like a, the day before i played i think trade in miami and that's a completely that's like a proper huge nightclub yeah so like everything had its own texture and yeah and vibe and it was killer and one of the sickest ones i did was in sao paulo it's really going off for me these days and uh, like over the past year, and uh, I did Sao Paulo with the Black Madonna mm-hmm. uh, for this really great crew called Goptone, and uh, they basically had this huge—I can't even explain it. It was like a huge, like kind of lot parking lot kind of thing to this mm-hmm. like hu- like condemned building, and then a huge warehouse. So the outside was where Black Madonna played. Mm-hmm. She played to twelve, and then. Inside in a monstrous warehouse. I'm talking about fucking cavernous with huge lighting, incredible. And then, and that's where I was supposed to play. And that's where I did play. So uh, I started at 12 o'clock. I thought I was supposed to play for three or four hours. And then one of the owners of uh, the promotion came up to me. We got a surprise. We know you're doing this all night tour. And everybody's excited. We don't want to close. So we extended this to 8, 9 a.m. So I wound up doing nine hours in this monstrous wow. thing, and it was fucking incredible, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it was electric. 
It must have been a raw, uh, rough flight home, though, after that Well, long I, I went up staying. Uh, I, I, awesome. Because, like I said, uh, Sao Paulo is turning into one of these very special things for me. So nice. uh, I knew going in that, uh, you know, it was going to be overwhelming yeah. and, and huge. So you, you, you kept a couple days open. Yeah, so I stayed. I went a day early. Mm-hmm. Or two days early, and then uh, I, I DJed, and then I stayed an extra day. So I was there for like four or five days in total, and uh, yeah, it was great, man. That's awesome. The, f- the food is amazing in Sao Paulo. Yeah, I mean, uh, I went there for my first time this summer too, and uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the food for sure. But I expected it to be awesome, yeah, to be yeah. honest. So, but the f- the first time you were there was for Deck Manor, right? Or am I yeah, wrong? for the festival and. Uh, the good segue for that is you just did an album for Tech Mantle. Yes, sir. Yeah, that came out what April? April, yep. Yeah. Um, tell us about that. Well, the uh, album came out in April, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a huge uh, project for me. You know, it's like something that I put a few years into. I think the last time I was here, I was working on it, but I didn't mention mm-hmm. that I was doing an album. I uh, took a lot of time into it, sketching it, writing it going through different variations of it, you know? And uh, and then the, the final product is what came out. And uh, it's like some of my most artistic uh, music I've made as, as a solo artist. Because I've done some yeah, I agree. some abstract stuff with, with Phil. Yeah. But, you know, that's two of us kind of jamming in a studio, whereas this was just me solo. It was all on you. Yeah, yeah. all on me. Different ideas, different concepts, different sampling techniques. And I was really happy with, with it. And, you know... I really pushed some boundaries like Murky Waters was kind of like this like dusty Theo Paris sort of kind of thing and mm-hmm. yeah man I was really really happy with uh, with the album and it was really you know critically acclaimed well and you know all the reviews were pr- pretty positive across the board with Groove Magazine or Mix Mag and even the RA was reviewed well but then the number didn't reflect the review which is kind of oddball those numbers are oddball to begin with the yeah decimal system shit i mean you know it just it's it's a joke in itself but i mean you know when it comes down to it uh you know when when you see your friends playing it and you know people come up to you and you can tell with the tour and everything like you can it doesn't matter what the reviews say you can feel the success of the album yeah totally uh, in so many other ways totally you know what I mean and like at first it came out in a very strong period of the music like of electronic music mm-hmm. because at the time I think I came out like there was a, a shit ton of albums that came out right side by side of me so like it was me it was actress. There was a few other big albums. Mm-hmm. So you had all these huge albums, and I was kind of overlooked, I think. Yeah. You know, the Actress album, it was dope, in my opinion. So, mm-hmm. like, I can understand why, like, it got a lot of, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. shine. And I think people started playing it and started hearing it. And then the next thing I know, you know, usually an album hits, and then it kind of sparkles out a little. Of course. And then I noticed with my album, you know, more people were playing it, playing it, playing it. And then, like, right through the summer, it became like, a, a you know, they were taking the s- certain tracks off of it. And it was becoming, like, a huge thing. Whereas, like, Explode became a massive re- track for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about those tracks, um, and I, the reason I think things stick around, and don't take this the wrong way, but, like, you know, there's... 
people try so hard to make these tracks that are like such obvious hits, you mm-hmm. know, with the big breakdown or the, like the massive hook. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've done that and tried that too, and I'll do it again in the future. But like with the tracks that you're speaking of, and while they're willing to keep playing it, is because it's like you don't get tired. There's no, there's not like this gimmick that after you've heard it ten times, you're like, okay, I'm retiring this one forever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it can still be really good, really solid, and when you don't tire of it, like I refer to those as jams. Like they're always going to be good. Like Kuvatis by, by G man. Like yeah, that's totally. always going to be a jam. Yep. It's hard to get tired of because it's like, there's nothing really annoying to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. As, as I was growing as a producer, I came to this point of, I forgot when it was like a couple years ago, I decided that I really didn't want to make breaks in my music anymore. Yeah. Cause I always had breaks in them with these huge comeback in, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we, I used to, we all did. Right. <laughs> And don't get me wrong, you know, you kind of need that sometimes. But I think on my album, there isn't breaks. And if there's breaks, they were done with, like, synthy, you know, like yeah. playing playing chords and shit like that. And th- th- this is something that I wanted to show as growth artistically. Yeah. And when you play them in the club, the crowd digs it. You know, it's like, you know, they, I think they change, it changes color, those breaks that, I, I, yeah. I, that are on the album. And it, it's cool. I, I think... I think it's cool to hear others playing your music. It's always inspiring. They're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's like, no matter how confident you are in your own music, you, it still comes down to if other people, when you get to hear it, you're still like, it reinforces it. Or if you're like, why aren't, you know, why isn't someone playing this track? I know this track's amazing. <laughs> like, no matter how confident you are in the music, there's always going to be that little bit of, I don't know, denial or, yeah. you know what I mean? You're not quite sure, but... uh yeah, that's awesome. And then just recently, you had a record come out on Joseph Capriati's label. Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. called Velocity. Velocity. And um, that kind of seemed to be a good progression from what the album had in store. Yeah, right? totally. You know? Yeah, I think I made these tracks in that same time frame. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joseph actually liked the album. And uh, he sent me a message. And he was like, yeah, man, I really dig your album. I'm doing a, an essential mix. And uh, so, you know, we shot the shit. And he's like, can you send me something maybe for my mix? And I was like, yeah, yeah cool. And I sent it to him. And he's like, what are you doing with these? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, yo, you you know, he's like, would you, would you mind if I put them out? I was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. Fuck it. And, you know, it's it's become a pretty positive uh, EP. People digging the tracks on it and. It's already starting to sell out in some of the shops, and that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm totally happy. Like it already sold out of Hard Wax and, and a few other places because uh, I've been monitoring it just to see how it's going. Because mm-hmm. the record sales are a little funky these days. Man, that's a that's a whole podcast in its own right there. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting worse, and I sort of have this feeling in my stomach that it's going to bottom out even further. Yeah, yeah, um, it's uh, it's definitely. Uh, it's tough to monitor and it's really hard to to, to call I, I don't know where where it's going i mean like the the problem that we're seeing a lot lately is a lot of these record pressing plants are ap- operating at maximum capacity they're busy pressing up all these like represses for like fucking urban outfitters stores and stuff like that of like joy division albums and whatnot so you know we can't get in these small runs of techno labels and uh so it's like if you have a record that's ready to come out, like you finish the tracks this week, and ideally you want to be out, like what, let's say February for shits and giggles on the show here, um, you might get stuck until April or May, yeah, depending on how your situation is with your distributor and stuff. So at that point, it's like, 
you just say fuck it and fold? You release it digitally? Like the vinyl market itself is going to kind of collapse, I think. But yeah, we'll see, man. Know. It's it's tough tough to call, you know. And I I don't know like what what's the cause and effect of it. Is it is it the streaming services? Is it YouTube? Is it what the fuck is it? I don't know. You know, it's so, it's so over my pay grade. Yeah, I mean that's what other people get paid to figure out, right? Yeah, I don't. I, I, but I, I mean, I think with our industry, like I noticed Spotify and these kind of services. While I'm still not, I actually just paid for a Spotify subscription this month for the first time ever, and I've just completely talked so much shit about Spotify. But at the same time, I'm right now I'm trying to research a lot of music, and I'm just like I don't want to buy this shit, but I want to kind of contribute in any way I can. So I just did it so I can kind of quick run through stuff because I'm. It's like more for listening through rather than uh, like keeping in a collection, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, but I noticed with like techno stuff or house or whatever, um, the plays are always like pretty small compared to like, you know, songs that you would listen to. I mean, some things still have quite a few plays, but um, I would say like a, a medium sized band is probably doing at least 10 times more of the amount of listeners than a medium sized techno guy. Yeah, but the, Generally pro speaking. the problem is, uh, you know, promoters are using Spotify as a vehicle for, for big production. And, you know, is your page verified? Is your statistics, your Spotify statistics up? Like, I, I, I've i never even used Spotify in my life. Like, I don't even know what it looks like. I don't even know what my, what my page looks like. I don't even know what music is on there. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they're using this. Like, you know, it's like, how can you use this as a as like a gauge on the artist when I'm not even active on it. Like I've never even turned it on on my computer, you know, and, totally. and you're using that as like, you know, to gauge if you want to book me in that. That makes no sense to me. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, but uh, I mean, yeah, of course, promoters have always been lazy to a degree, but it's even more so than ever. Uh, and it was evident in such as like recently RA was like, we're done with the polls. Yeah. We're fucking, we're, we're pulling the cord, you know? Yeah. I think it's a big mistake. Do you? Yep. I think uh, in a year, well, they're saying they're pulling the plug because they want to, you know, they're saying that the list don't, what did they say? How did they put it? It doesn't reflect it doesn't what's reflect, really happening. Yeah, it doesn't reflect what's really happening and, you know, it's homogenizing the scene and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Okay, so point taken. I get that. Now, check this out. In a year where the most ground was broken, you had a shit ton of women artists break through, mm -hmm. trans artists like Honey Dijon break through. Mm -hmm. You had tons of people have killer fucking years. This was the year that the most most of the, if this what's the the thing uh, musical chairs. Mm -hmm. This was the year where a lot of chairs were about to be pulled, mm -hmm. and you decided to shut the polls down. Yeah, so you no, shut the polls down. Completely. You shut the polls down. So now by doing that, they didn't think of it this way. I'm sure of it when they sat in the room. Mm -hmm. You've solidified the people that you want out of this, out of there. Mm -hmm. You've solidified that seat. Yeah. Because now there's no launching pad. Ben ousted, but yeah. You know, there's no, there's no launching pad for, for artists now. So like, even though a lot of people went online, they're like, oh, I'm all about this. This was great. You know, it, it's all about the art, blah, blah, blah. And most of those people got success because they were on these lists. Yeah. You know? Those lists set their fees. These lists put them in festivals. These lists got them high, you know, high demand gigs. Wow. You know, so now if you look at it and, and you're honest with yourself, I've never been on a DJ poll. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe this year I might have been on it. Maybe I might not have. Who knows? Yeah. But I can tell you people that definitely would have been on it. Honey Dijon would have definitely made it. Avalon Emerson definitely would have been on it. Mm-hmm. Probably Volvox and Umfang definitely would have been on it. Yeah. It's like a many. girl, many, and like a girl like Avalon Emerson might have really landed high. Cause she had I a, think so. I think she would have been in the probably top twenty. Yeah, she was. She had a huge year. Yeah. And now by this happening. And maybe there's going to be some year-end lists because they said there's going to, they're doing three lists with no numbers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to have the same same effect, yeah. right? The same effect as if you know you had the DJ poll list. We'll see, but I, I, I see it in, in in a way where it's like, how do new you know one person had a great point on it. I saw on Twitter Adam Bayer made made a comment. Similar to my what I'm saying, he's like, there's no there's no launching pad now for new artists, and he mentioned like Black Madonna or Jack, you know, Jackmaster. These people got you know they got success through the list, or yeah. you know, there's other people, but well, I mean, it accumulated with that, and then once you have that, it's it's yeah, yeah. and then like when you have a couple of them in succession, so like you make it one, two, three years in a row, then it's like boom, you know, and. uh yeah, I don't. I don't know. Who, you know, how can it be another Helena Huff or another, you know, Black Madonna or mm-hmm. Lena Wilkins? These people really benefited from these these lists. I agree a hundred percent. Then again, there's this industry has definitely been uh, around way before Resident Advisor and done all right. No, I mean, but there's always been lists. True. See, see, so people want to fantasize and romanticize about, you know, in the nineties, this shit never existed. No, that's oh, a yes. complete and other lie. Because Danny Tenegula or Carl Cox, these guys were all number one on those lists, like the DJ Magazine or DJ Times. or There was bigger publications than Resident Advisor. There were real publications back then. And and, and those lists always existed. These people like Sasha and Digweed or Carl Cox or Danny Tenegula, they didn't get huge because of luck, you know? Yeah. You know, it didn't work that way. There was was tons of press back in the day. Yeah. No, I mean, that much is, is definitely true. I... It's just, the whole thing is interesting because I agree with you on pretty much all of what she said. Yeah. At the same time, I also think that one uh, entity having that much power is also super dangerous too. Oh, 100%. So there's, you know, there's so many different perspectives of looking at it. But um, you know there's going to be somebody unapologetically going to start a DJ poll soon. Like, like sure. with no, I mean, with no squeak. Yeah, you want to yeah. drop it? Fuck you. Here we go. Exactly. <laughs> maybe it's Mix Mag. Maybe it's somebody. But someone's going to start it for sure. It's going to happen. Well, we're in an, in an industry, in, well, not even an industry, and we're in a society where it's like if you give up the reins of something, somebody else is willing to pick it up. And 100%. That could, it could be um, one day it could be a magazine in whatever industry you're interested in. The next day it could be like a, a political issue. Like there's always going to be somebody there that's like, hey, me right here, I'm ready to take it up. Because yep. like, there's a pecking order right now. You yep. know what I mean? That's how life is at the moment. So I don't know. I, I just hope that when it comes down to it, if records aren't going to sell, people are willing to, if they really like something, share that podcast, share that track, or you know what I mean? Like uh, get the word out because how the hell else are you going to? I mean, like I don't – that's you know? that's the thing. It's like if there's no year-ends – well, there is a year-ends, but the, okay, so there's no polls. How do you circulate your name and how do you get it out? You know, I don't remember a hit record in a while. Yeah, like a a proper a, a true hit, like a yeah. true hit record. You know, like this. That's not to say that there hasn't been good music, because in my opinion, there's been tons of great music across the board by many artists. 
of many different genres. So I'm not saying that the music like is, mm-hmm. is you know, bad. What I'm saying is the, the way the vehicle's operating these days, you don't see hit records though. Yeah, yeah, totally. You, you know, and, and and that's that's weird. So it's like if the art is not really making you, how do you get yourself into that to that seat of becoming the headliner or like advancing into festival status now? How do you become? I I barely play festivals. How can you get to that you know status mm-hmm. of like playing a festival? How do you make yourself? How do you get that? You know how to, how do you get that buzz to to get you there? That's you know festivals is part of the the engine that that is getting you you know getting you visibility big time i mean i i think what it comes down to a lot of the times these days with festivals especially the big ones that's when the management comes into hand and like really the the kind of the i don't want to say backdoor deals as far as like shady shit i mean of course that exists too but i'm just saying in the sense of like it doesn't really matter how many records you put out that year that's not really going to have a i mean it all adds up of course yeah but there's, you know, after a while, it's kind of like, well, who are you rolling with? Who is your manager? Can you get squeezed in for that? You know what I mean? There's so many factors. and I mean, I think you can definitely keep the buzz up, you know, by putting out interesting music, doing podcasts. You know, you can mm-hmm. keep yourself fresh. For sure, you can keep yourself fresh. You know, but there's definitely a fine line of being fresh and then putting out too much music or mm-hmm. being fresh and putting out too much content. So there's this weird balance that you have to kind of ride that line. Big time. And it, I mean, there's no school for this. How are you supposed to know? Yeah. It's like trial and error. But I mean, when it comes down to it, like you were saying, there hasn't been a ton of, um, like, let's say just straight up like classic records. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in the last few years, I'd, ha- I'd really have to sit down and go through my shit and think about it. Nothing pops up uh, to mind right now. But it's like, even if you don't like that record, you'd be like, oh yeah, that was a big record. Um, you know, like, Rod had a big record, that horror record on on Clockworks. That was a big record, yeah, it's a big record. <clears throat> but like, is it really that big? You know, is yeah. it like, is it like Omrej, where it was like on the radio? Yeah, and stuff that's like what I'm that? saying. Like a classic anthem, you know, like, like uh, the record was killer, and like a borderline sh- fucking crossover, yeah. not pop record, but mainstream. Yeah, totally. Sense. You know, and I, I I'm not hearing those those kind of records anymore. You know, it's that that's definitely missing. Mm-hmm. You know, like. uh Someone posted on a Facebook thing the other day that uh, that old Alan Brax record at night, which is an old house cut, and like uh, it's not really my favorite record. But the fact of the matter is, it's like these are records that it's like very obvious that um, they were super successful at one point, and people are still willing to listen to them fifteen, twenty years later. A lot of these tracks right now are killer, but you're not going to put them on in four years, much less fifteen. Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, trying to make timeless music is not the Dude. the easiest. Not at all. You know, I I try. I mean, when I either put music out and or meaning like other artists and or when I make music, that's something that I I, I try to make sure I'm not doing any cliches that are like really big in the moment and like these are things that I do think about mm-hmm. so I wanted to you know to make sure that maybe, you know would someone be playing my track in five years you know and I think across the board most of my music they would if they like it yeah but um you know that's it's a tough it's a tough thing to do you know it's not easy to make a good song period no you know I never used to think about that but then you know when I sit down and think about it uh I think, all right, you know, just because I've had, uh, I don't even know how many EPs I put out in the last 
you know, 15 years, but it's been a lot. And I just assumed that like, well, it can't be that hard to make a good song. And it's like, that's the thing. I've made a lot of good songs or decent songs, but when we start talking about great songs, that number is like probably fucking zero. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, it's, uh, you know, and it's even more evident when you talk about stuff that's more in a song format with like verse and chorus or maybe there's singers, maybe there isn't, maybe it's like hip hop, you know, but it's like, it's not easy. No. It's, uh, so I give props to anybody that's trying because it's, you know, I don't know. I mean, you can you can definitely get the job done, but that's not sufficient enough these days. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's been like a few classic albums that have been like revisited recently, you know, like The Burial un- Untold. What is the name of the album? Untrue. Untrue. Uh-huh. Or for me, I noticed that Metro Area just re- remastered and put out a triple pack of, yeah. of their album. For me, that was a huge album for me. For numerous re- reasons. Number one, I was a resident at that club, APT. Okay. And uh, so that, that party was pretty legendary. And what they were doing was really special in that time frame. And uh, I really loved that album quite a lot. And, you know, to see that album get n- n- fresh recognition w- was really dope. And those are songs. Yeah, I mean, I... um. Oops, let me get this here. I don't have a... The biggest, um, like, I'm not such a massive Metro Area fan, but I definitely understand the quality and stuff like that. And, like, the people that are dedicated to Metro Area are, like, full on, you know what I mean? Like, no no getting around it. And I think that's the other part, like, were you saying earlier that you were talking about trying to make timeless music? Yeah. Like, those tracks come across as timeless. Whether they're, like, massive hits or not, it's like they could have been made yesterday. They could have been made, you know, 30 years ago. You know what I mean? It has that kind of a feel to it. And I I still think that's – you can't – I always used to strive for that. And actually, Grinvik was telling me one day because I couldn't make anything for a while. This is when I first moved to Berlin. He was like, dude, we don't really get to decide what's timeless or what isn't. That's what gets decided with time, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, but I mean, there's definitely cliches of course of, of time. For, like, yeah. right, perfect example. Right now, a lot of DJs or not DJs, a lot of producers are making EBM. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's not trying. That, that's not timeless. I mean, it's timeless in the sense of, but like, if you make a, a EBM techno track, it in, sounds like the eighties in 2017. You know, that record is in time for this period right now. Yeah. Next year, this time, there's a good chance no one's playing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, totally. I mean, you know, I, I got to get Adam X back on the show and let him go to town on this because I'm sure he'll, he'll just fucking flip out. Yeah, he, he'll go ape shit on it. Because, um, I mean, a lot of those records that you listen to these days, uh, they, of course, they take the influence from things like Knights or Rabbit or whatnot. Yeah. And like, but the problem is, is that they, it's kind of like pushing it too hard. It's like those Saw movies where it's like uh, shock value. Like, let's do the harder kick drum. Let's do the faster BPM. And it's just like, well, well, you're getting away from like the fun funkiness that it was before by like just fucking spicing it up the whole time. You know what yeah, I mean? I mean, there's a, there's a couple that have come out that, 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 that are dope. Some great ones. But, but overall, it's it's rough. Yeah. It's bleak. <laughs> but, well, I, I got to tell you, the 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 thing that's driving me fucking nuts right now is all the trancey techno. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some of it that I really like, but it's just maybe it's the 
because I play a little bit deeper and more melodic, maybe it's making its way to me more. But I feel like every promo I get is trance. And then like when I go out to hear DJs, it's like they're playing this sort of half-assed trance sort of thing. Or they're like picking up, you know, 90s trance records that were back back then. I'm like, congratulations, you own a human record. You know what I mean? Like, what do you want, what do you want me to say, you know? <laughs> Uh, go go back to the glo- global underground compilations, you know. I don't know, um, but I mean, when it comes down to it, like I I get it. They haven't really lived through the '90s, so it's new to them. So I don't want to. I shouldn't talk so much shit, really. But I am. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me though, it's just like uh, I I don't know. Like the reason we get along is we're like instead of throwing a trance track in the mix we'll fucking throw a house record down you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah. like make the party go off and i'm kind of waiting for that sort of uh revival to kick off yeah i don't know why the industry is getting like so serious well i mean that's not the right word i mean yeah the party segregated and, and, yeah and, like the party and, and 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 stuff like that is it's you know it's a party man mm-hmm. and people are forgetting that you know. you know and like it could be hard and it could be whatever and fast or or whatever but when it's like sterile and and serious and like you, you're doing these videos that are like dark and monochrome Man. and bleak and like you know like like that promo ads for, for for the for your new party it's like yo it's it's a party dude why is there a raven on your fucking video yeah it's a, <laughs> <laughs> totally some Edgar Allan Poe shit you know uh I mean I I, I totally agree I think for the most part that kind of is fucking evidence right there of like how messed up society is right now or how people feel like they're not happy we were talking earlier about just how things are just not going off nobody can agree on anything everybody's going after each other so it kind of makes sense that the music would take a darker turn too you know that's a good point and um i mean think about it this way once uh you know after the towers went down and things got real dark for a while and everybody just kind of fucking like went away for a minute then it came back and like fucking minimal blew up there's dudes running around wearing scarves fucking partying for 24 <laughs> hours scarf? yeah you know v-necks like you know all the craziest little micro melodies and yeah, working get, on their scales and shit you should get bill patrick on here he was the king of the fucking minimal scarf yeah yeah <laughs> so you know like people were having like the i don't want to say that like the economy bounced back but it was kind of like the first resurgence after a pretty rough spot for the States. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and totally. Of course, that was felt everywhere, I think. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe that just shows where we're at in society. I don't know. But I kind of need I need a little bit of fun in my life to, to run away from this shit, not to embrace it more, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, you go to, you, you go to certain clubs or, you know, environments. You know, obviously, some of them are really intense. But that doesn't mean that you know, you, you can't, it can't be fun too, or bright or colorful. You know, it doesn't it doesn't have to be this black monochrome. You know, it, it, and that's across the board in the clothes, in the fucking environment, into the music, into the darkness of the of the you know the hardness of the sound. Totally. Like you know, it's okay in 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 in, in short burst or whatever. But I, I don't know, man. I, I just think like it's a, like I said. First and foremost, these these are parties. Yeah, no, and I, th- I think people are forgetting that, but that's going to come around. And, you know, I kind of noticed that in, um, you know, you, you, you take somebody like Um Feng or somebody, for example, where the, she has that style where it's a little bit more like just kind of abrasive, not supposed to be so um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Like smooth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just kind of like slamming shit in and like a lo- that inspires a lot of people. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like totally. We've been around for a while. We've seen a lot of that. All those like guys play that stuff before. And, but the thing is, is this is exciting for a lot of people because for the longest time that shit wasn't around. Yeah. This like, you know, just cutting out and bringing shit in and like really throwing it around. And, um, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing more of that come back. I was actually thinking about it the other day, like turntablism and tricks and shit. I don't do any of that anymore. But I'm like, is there any way I could incorporate that that it could be cool? And as of right now, no. But I wouldn't mind seeing some people try. I do a bunch I mean? of stuff though, and and like I mean, so, I do, so, but it's so more does... like psychedelic, you know, yeah. or me anyway, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know. With the effects or the reverbs exactly. or whatever, or like you know, I do a lot of filter, uh, a lot of uh, fader swipes and stuff like that. I, yeah. I always have though for years. But I mean, that's, or juggling. I feel like that stuff is it's still a little bit more smooth rather than jarring in a sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Like um, rather than like full on like DMC leaning tricks. I mean, maybe you're into that more, but these days I haven't been so yeah. much. But I mean, I don't think my, I think my 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 technique is a little bit powerful you know in the way i present the tracks but yeah maybe i'm not doing like bone style or or dj rush mm-hmm. completely because you know that's not my thing i mean yeah. it, I, I like it but i i, I don't want to hear that in like full format exactly you know yeah. every every mix yeah and i mean so you know that being said um is there something you know, whether it's promos or in the record shop these days that you're definitely, like, inspired by or leaning towards at the moment or not necessarily? Musically, you mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's or, tons yeah. of good music out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there is tons of really cool rhythmic shit. I think there's, you know, really percussive stuff that I'm digging, like the new Vakula album. Uh, I, you know, I, I like the Avalon Emerson uh, mm-hmm. track on Whitey's. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out, man. I, I think music is really in a good place. Yeah, I mean, I've my my bank account would definitely show that. I'm always <laughs> <laughs> always buying shit, and honestly, it's like a lot of the times music that I never really get to play out because um, I don't want to say that certain things are expected of me, but it's just like, all right, you're not going to play this 100 BPM record at 3 a.m. You know, maybe in the beginning of an opening set or in a podcast or something. I mean, you could try it. Who's going to stop you? But I don't know. It's just not what I'm into right now. But the thing is, um, what I'm finding a lot lately... Actually, you know what drives me nuts more than... Well, I love talking about music. What I don't like that I'm seeing a lot lately is... I mean, especially in our world, because we talk to DJs a lot, is they're always bitching about promos. Mm. Like, in the sense, like... I went through promos for two hours today and everything was fucking bullshit and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude. Eric Cloutier? I mean, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, but like, there's plenty of these people, right? You know, and yeah, my, yeah. my thing is, is it's like, <laughs> here's the deal, man. Like, we are in a very privileged position where we get, you know, a lot of this music for free and a lot of it's really good. We forget that first off. You know, there's a shit ton and, of music that's fucking dope. I don't know. And, I, I would I would never complain about it. And the, the the other thing is, is like I, like I'm not really a one that's gonna sit around and complain about promos or or bitch about it on Facebook or Twitter or something. Because here's the deal: like, a that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do is filter through all the shit. So when I go to the club, people get what I what I assume is supposed to be the bomb. You know what I mean? Here's my opinion on this. 
If you're listening to a lot of shit, that's a you problem. Exactly. I have a, a whole system developed that I don't listen to the shit music, the promos yeah. that are sent to me. Like, that doesn't even go in my promo folder. Like, yeah. like I, you know, I have ways that I filter through it. And then when it goes in, when the stuff that I listen to, well, 75% of it, usually I'll probably download, you know? Because yeah. I, I know initially when I read what who, who it is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or where it's coming from, or or what promo list it's coming from. I'm like, all right, this is, is going to be cool. Let me let me check it out. Yeah, you know. And there's been tons of cool stuff to come out. Yeah, I would never be like. And if I don't like it, I, I'll see sometimes. You know, some of those lists you can see the the feedback. Yeah, and I'll see people like talk shit about the tracks. I would never leave a negative comment for numerous reasons. One of them being that person worked hard on that track, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not. You know that person put put it you know time yeah, into that, that that track, and maybe it's not for me. But who am I? I'm not judge and jury. I'm not gonna be like that record is not good or wasn't made well or whatever. Maybe it might not have been or maybe it has. But I'm I'm not gonna I'm just gonna skip it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, what if know, he likes you as an artist or really respects yeah, exactly. you? Exactly. Then you leave this fucking comment like a douchebag. Exactly. It's like when. You know, all it takes is one person to ruin your fucking day. Yeah, man. You know, like, would, or if, you, if you're at a DJ, uh, if you're a DJ and you're playing at a party and then you're leaving or you read on the next day, like, you can have a hundred comments. It's like, man, this person rocked my world last night. And then one guy's like, oh, he was fucking boring. That's it. That's all you need. Like, I mean, if it's a friend like you sure. or something, you sent me something that's a pile of shit, I'll be like, yo, Zon. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you want. That's what <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, yeah. That's not what you want. Like, I've always said, like, uh, a good friend will tell you when your track is okay, but a great friend will tell you when your track is shit because yeah. that's the truth, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the problem is these days a lot of people are like, yeah, man, you know, it sounds cool. And then they, they, they think, well, okay, this is good then. And then they fucking put it out. And you know what? It is cool, but it's not great. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, but that being said, yeah, like I, I don't understand why everybody feels the need to to complain about this. Like, first of all, if you need to have every new promo or like every week you need to have new shit, like what about all the awesome old records that you got? Like, with my promo box, I try to keep up, but it's like I only go to the promo box if I need new music. I got plenty of awesome records right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Why, why do I need to always have new shit? You know? I like the balance. I like new stuff because it, you know, especially keeps you excited. It keeps you excited. Yeah, yeah, You're playing a new track, and you know, and it's fresh. But, but like, but there's so much music, man. There's so much music, and there's so much good music. Even everybody talks shit about Beatport. Beatport's back catalog is retarded. Yeah, that was not politically correct. Their back, <laughs> their back catalog is insane. <laughs> I'll edit that. <laughs> they can leave it, and I just, you know, I'm, I'm a little. No, rough, rough around the edges. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, uh, that's one of the things I got to work on. So, you know, yeah. one of those words. So, but anyway, yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, like, Beatport, um, the sales charts are what they are. Like, fact of the matter is, it is a representation of their clientele, demographic, whatever you want to refer to it as. But it doesn't mean that it's everybody. Yeah. You know. So, like. Just because the top ten is bullshit doesn't mean there's incredible stuff. Like you could still, I, I refer to it as like, uh, 
it's going to be a really bad example, but like a Target or a Tesco or one of these places where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of shit there that you don't want, but you can always stop it and be like, I need to pick this up and I know it will be there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the experience is super easy. It's still one of the smoothest transactions for checking out and downloading in the business. Yeah, I mean, the interface yeah. is dope. The, the the back catalog is incredible. I mean, I I don't have nothing really negative to say about Bport, honestly. And honestly, I don't know what's happened in the past year or two, but the curating has been pretty top notch. So, like, if you get emails from the like, yeah. you know, new techno or this or that, you know, there's good stuff on those lists, man. They're always trying to push actually, you know, good techno. Like, if you look at the staff picks and everything, yeah. it's always going to be pretty heady stuff. I don't know who's doing it over there. Um, That's what I'm saying. But they're it, doing it, a good it, job. Yeah. It's gotten better. Yeah, like the last two years. You know, and uh, it's a—it's uh, definitely. I think it's healthy. I agree. Yeah, and and there's tons of good resources. I mean, it's not just Bport, but Bport's a you know one of the bigger resources. Obviously, everybody likes the con- the concept of ban- Bandcamp. I too use Bandcamp on occasion. Mm-hmm. I hate Bandcamp. I'm I'm on the opposite it's not, side. It's of not it. really awesome for checking out and everything. Yeah, it's not a, a user interface that's friendly. Um, yeah, it's great that the money goes right to the bank account for the artist. That's about it, though. you know. But that's about it. It begins yeah. and ends there, you know. Like everything else about Bandcamp sucks. I have to agree. You know, unless you know, like, you know, specifically what you're looking for, you know, and you type it in, boom, there it is. But there's no algorithms. There's no like you want to go check this out, or you might, you're not gonna really discover stuff on. You know, it's yeah, you gotta pretty, know what you're looking. You gotta for. know. Yeah, it's gotta be direct, and you know, you go to someone's you know page to buy something. You know, like recently Fred P put out a, a, you know, even though he's my friend, I'll still buy something, you know, and I I bought like this like lost tapes thing that he just dropped. And I was like, cool, man, this is cool. But for some reason, the highest quality, like their AF and their wave, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have in this situation occurred with you. If I buy something on Bandcamp, Mm -hmm. I'll put it on my USB stick, right? Via record box. When I get to the club and I go to play those tracks, they never come up. They really? come up unplayable, and then I have to go back home and, and, and code it differently. And, yeah, and code it differently. I don't know what Bandcamp is doing to their waves or their apps that that that, that, that always happens. I've never. Well, I've always downloaded the three twenties, so oh. it's been fine. But I mean, if you're paying for a wave, it should work pretty damn well, right? Yeah. You know? So, but you know, I've always thought that the smartest thing would be is like. Uh, if you could have like a reseller thing, like a portal, like you're like, yo, Parasoli's cuts or something like that. And you like whatever you found on Bandcamp in the last six months that like you want to support and be like, you got to check these out almost like a top 10 or something or like your own little web shop. Then you have like all this perfectly curated shit. And then maybe you get a cut, maybe you don't. I don't know. People say that sort of exists now and they've tried to explain it to me a few times. But the fact that even I can't, really get what the fuck they're talking about means that it was implemented pretty poorly, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, you know, there's there's a lot of tools there, but uh, I'm not savvy enough to really benefit from them. Right on. And then, I mean, so you say you use Bandcamp. Um, another thing that was worth mentioning is that you restarted the corner. Yes, sir. Label. Yeah. I certainly did. Um, uh, we did two releases in the summertime. Phil, right on. Phil Maffa, Darren Barks. Yes, yes. What's up, guys? And uh, how, how are those records doing? Uh, I don't know. I haven't received a... Yeah, I suppose you got to get the statements <laughs> yeah, like six yeah. months later. 
But uh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm just excited. I, truth be told, I, those are, I think were some of the best physical packaging I've ever done. And mm-hmm. I've done some really cool packaging, if I say so myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, I liked it. The, the, what was the one? The crash test dummies and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was cool stuff. And uh, just the overall packaging from the color schemes, the artwork. Uh, also, for the first time ever, I did 180 grams. Okay. Uh, so just the overall package, sonically and visibly, I was really happy with those two releases. I was like, damn, man. Nice. You know, it, it really set my bar really high, you know. And I was really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all about labels that are willing to push it a little bit more because, you know, in Berlin, we're lucky we can still score a record for 10 bucks, a European one. But, I mean, I, I guess in New York, it's, what, 15 a record right now? If you go to Halcyon or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. I think it's a little bit less, but, yeah, something like that. Okay. So, I mean, let's just say between, like, 13 and 15 bucks probably on average for most people in the world right now. It's a lot of money for a record, so it's like I, I really dig it when a label kind of goes out of their way to, I don't know, either think about the artwork or the packaging or something because you're willing to, you know, go the step further and, uh, you know, buying the MP3. Yeah, I mean, there's some really cool packaging. I mean, obviously, Juan's Jealous God, even though it's closing down. Totally. The artwork is fucking insane. You know, he's nailed. It's always been good. He's nailed every single release. And I just saw the new one by uh, my friend Esteban. And I, I held it in my hand. And I was like, wow, this is really, really mm-hmm. dope, man. He's always been good at that. Actually, I got some I got some artwork from Juan. I haven't collected it yet. But I'll, next time you come over, that'll be here in the house. <laughs> he's, always, he's always been a really favorite artist of mine, not just musically, but uh, definitely on the design tip as well. So... Yeah, he's an inspiring human being. I mean, I really think that the music industry benefits from people like him in the sense that it's like, there's, I mean, everybody says they don't compromise in this industry, but there's like, let's say even a 10% give, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, he's also one of these guys, he's like, I would rather work a day job and make my money than compromise my art in the like least bit, you know what I mean? So, I mean, he's a... Uh... You know, that's he's true been on, He's been on the forefront of of quite a few major movements in this in techno. Yeah, and there's been many little silent servants running around after him. Facts, undeniable, yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, from Sandwell District, there was a, a, a whole bunch of you know wannabe silent servants. Mm-hmm. And now with this jealous God movement and like the way he's mixing music around and. and he spawned a whole bunch of new young young talent, and it's that's his his legacy is legit. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, his his legacy is written. It's he don't have to make another track or or DJ another DJ set in his career. He has left without a doubt behind an incredible legacy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's we meet a lot of people in the industry. There's a lot of people that are fucking dope. They're cool. They're doing their thing and then they do it really well, you know? And like, I can't, there's nothing I have to say bad about any of it, but then there's people where it's just genuine. And like, you realize like they couldn't care less about, uh, the polls or the media or anything. They're just like, we're doing exactly this and that's all there is to it. And there's like, and if you suggest anything else, it's like, a, why, why would I even consider that? Like it mm-hmm. didn't even pop into mind. You know what I mean? So I dig that for sure. I concur. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, people that really kind of set the, that helped set it, 
tone for the next generation or whatever. Underground Resistance. What's your opinion on the whole deal with the with the team up of Carhartt? I think it's great, man. Uh, I, I can't believe people are losing their shit. <laughs> I the dig fuck? it. I mean, you, you know, like it's one of those things where people the the people that are complaining about it are the ones that are kind of stuck in the past and are also not willing to consider the the issues that a label faces today. Like, for example, uh, you know, yes, they kind of, their whole mantra kind of is against like working with a company like Carhartt. However, for the most part, Carhartt is one of those companies that, you know, they as workers have lived with their entire life. Like it's as much as part of their life as anything else. It's not like they're working with fucking Nike or something. You know, hey, I mean? hey Nike's cool, man. I, dude, you know, I don't have to talk. I'm not talking shit about Nike. I'm down with Nike. I'm just saying like it's not, it's, you know, it's apples and oranges. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's two yeah. different things. Um, I, I, I think it's super cool. Um, I think it's great. I, here's my opinion on it. I think when you got Carhartt and they, you know, Obviously, I'm not in love with Carhartt, your brand. Mm-hmm. I, too, come from the old Carhartt. Mm-hmm. Those companies are actually completely separated. That's People, yeah. don't, people don't know that. The worker wear line that when you've seen like, all the kids from New York City were wearing in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, the... The tan, the, the, the tan vet, yeah, the yeah. Brand, or the orange, the orange that hoodies. Shit was so warm. Yeah, uh, that stuff is not the same company, I don't think. I think it was like... They sold the, the right to the name to some company in, in Europe, and um, anyway, you know they they approached them, and and, and they, I think it's just good in, in a bunch of areas. I think it's good visibility. Mm-hmm. I think they make money. Yeah. I don't care that it's not selling out. Like in my opinion, that's yeah. not selling out. That's they're, they're they didn't mar- make many to begin with. Yeah, I mean, but maybe they have. You know, well, those, those those timeline shows are tremendous, and I'm sure. No, they're not, oh, they're but not I mean, cheap. like they didn't make much. <laughs> they didn't make many pieces of. Oh yeah, uh, no, no, no. The, the pieces are are limited for sure. Yeah, yeah. I saw, like, I saw, uh, I think a jacket in hard in hard wax. Yeah, well, so I went to I went to the Carhartt store here in Berlin because I wanted the hat. I need a winter hat. I'm like, they have it at a hard wax. No shit. All right. Well, I'll pop down there tomorrow. So I wanted this winter hat and. Uh, they had one of the parkas left and I think maybe two hoodies or something. And I was like, what's up? Where's the hoodie or the, the hats at? And he's like, man, that shit sold out in the first two hours. He's like, this is all we have left. And I was like, really? I'm like, is this coming back? And he's like, no, we're not doing a, not a repress, but a reprint or rerun, whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's like, you might find something at the Hamburgs or whatever. He's like, but it's done. It's out. Yeah. And like this shit was sold out in two hours, so no matter how much bullshit you hear on the internet with people complaining, it's very obvious there's a lot of people that were too busy buying the shit and not complaining online. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it, it's just a win win, man. I mean it's 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 a win win on so many fronts. They get visibility, mm-hmm. which first and foremost is the most important. Maybe people revisit the catalog, maybe mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah, but you're wearing the UR stuff, which is dope. And mm-hmm. and in the end, it's it's branded well and it's well done. And you know, why, why shouldn't these people get some you know shekels in their pocket? I agree. And honestly, it's not like uh, they're not. Well, first of all, there's not a ton of UR releases coming out these days, and I don't know how many they're selling. But of course, nobody's selling like they used to. So it's like whatever you can kind of do to keep the doors open. Like I know, um, fucking everybody needs. 
that extra push right now, especially if you're not touring. Like, man, Mike, he's not hitting the road every weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, to book these guys is not a simple task. Like, I've seen the timeline show of you. Yeah. It's like an eight-piece. It's quite a bit. It's yeah. quite a, it's quite I a think big even show. Even on a... On a slim down one i think it's three or four people even you know um, it's 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 a lot it's a lot you know and it's it's it's, it's you know it's i don't want to like whatever but regardless it's you know it's a it's a big booking and uh you, you, it's just the timing is is they could tour if they wanted to but it's definitely worth doing it i just think overall it's a win i agree and uh i mean i don't know like yeah of course you can get a cheaper version or something that's submerged in Detroit. And I realize that a lot of people that listen to this show probably have been in the Detroit festival at some point, but for the most part, like it's not easy to get to Detroit and go to this small obscure shop to pick up a t-shirt. You know, yeah. If you can order this online, that's fucking awesome. I don't know. Yeah. And you know, there's, you know, like I said, I think the most important thing is that it gets people talking about you are mm-hmm. again. So to the two, the two most important things is, they get some money, and then the visibility and and mm-hmm. uh, people talking about it, you know. And yeah. I think that's 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 just a positive across the board. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, one of the bigger um, criticisms of the stuff was that people said, "Well, here's the problem: the shit's too expensive." And I'm like, I don't know, is it for streetwear? Not really. And second of all, it's like the most expensive item was a parka jacket for uh-huh. 330 bucks. Which, don't get me wrong, that's a lot of money for anything. But, you know, for Jacket too. so I get it. But Carhartt's not cheap. Well, not only that, but these people are bitching about it from a five or $600 iPhone. The only reason that it's 200 <laughs> is because they're being subsidized for two years. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, they're like, well, I don't have money for a $330 jacket. It's like, it's not, a, it's not an easy thing to break some bills off for. Yeah. But if you can make it happen is what I'm saying, especially if you're doing this from an iPhone. That's all. You know? <laughs> this, it's about prioritizing. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, you've spoken. <laughs> <laughs> Jewels of wisdom right there, brother. <laughs> and, you know, you lowballing it. You know, that fucking iPhone X is like $1,100. Totally. You know, <laughs> what I thought, like, listen, here's the deal. I don't spend a whole shitload of money on clothes. There's some things that I like to buy. You know, we talk about this, shoes and whatnot, but for the most part, it's like, I buy a lot of cheap shit, but I realize, like, when it's time to, like, drop money on something that you know is true craftsmanship, whether it's a fucking kitchen knives or sound cards or Stone Island or whatever, like, every or, or some people just want to go to the fucking bar and drink, with yeah. most people, put, put it that way. Like, you're going to find the money to do it, whatever I mean, it is that you want to do. You know, even before I was DJ, like as my finances, and I was working construction, I always bought nice clothes. Mm-hmm. I've always had an affinity for fashion, sneakers. I love that shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had people write stuff on my on my Facebook once or twice and try to read me like, "Oh, look at your watch," or "Oh, look at your your your, your sneakers," or whatever. And I'm I'm like, bro, why you count my money? I've been. You know, I was working uh, hard and, and, you know, long before I was, I was a DJ, you know, yeah. so like, <laughs> dude, I mean, it, and the thing is, is people just spend their money differently. Like how many times a year do you and I go out to the bar, just to have a drink, maybe twice if yeah, that, yeah. like we're not going out 
five times a week or something like that. You yeah, know what man. I mean? We're not like, we go out to dinner sometimes. We're not going out to dinner all the time. You know, we're not uh, blowing I, money like crazy. And my overhead is not very high. I don't have, I don't have kids. I don't have, I don't have a girlfriend. Yeah. I have an apartment in Brooklyn that's rent stabilized. Mm-hmm. I don't own, owning is, is put you in, in a shit ton of debt. I'm not a big fan of it. You know, like, I don't, I don't li- live to pay my, my bills, you know, like that's how most people like they work mm-hmm. to pay the, like, you know, I'm doing okay. Like it's fine. You know, like I, I keep my costs down so exactly. that I could, so I could live comfortably. If I want to buy something, I buy it. Yeah, that's exactly. How I, I treat myself. I, I don't want to be the richest man in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, of what course, good is that? <laughs> of course, like things change. Like you have a family, you have some kids, you're like, well, all right, now the priorities switch. But for right now, like, what, what's the point of like taking that money to the grave? Like you said, it, there's, there's no point. And it's not like you're going to take a shitload to it anyway. Yeah. Like, you know, that being said, like, uh, you're spending, uh, because of, you know, you're touring in, in Europe a lot right now. You're in Berlin quite a bit. Um, what do you do to like keep busy during your downtime here? Uh, well, I set up a little music studio in my my place, uh, so I make some beats and things like that. I also train. I like to have that balance of staying fit and healthy while I'm on mm-hmm. the road, and and I don't lose the steam. And right now, I'm currently probably in the better, the best touring shape I've been in, probably in my career. Uh, last. Summer, I hit I hit a, like a, a real block physically, where I was tired all the time. My diet was out of whack. Uh, I I just was like spiraling out of control. Maybe drinking mm-hmm. too much. Uh, so I had to get like all my ducks in a row. You know, I limited my mm-hmm. my beer consumption because I love beer. I love mm-hmm. beer like truncate. I don't make beer, but I I love to drink it. Yeah. So, but I had to cut it out. You know, and I was drinking like God knows how many while, while you DJ, you know, throughout. That's the problem because you're not paying attention. You're not paying attention. You're just putting them down. And yeah. sometimes half the time the beer at, at clubs aren't even good beer. No, you're just thirsty. You're just thirsty. Or, or like it's a nervous tick. Not a nervous tick, but like a tick. Yeah. So I changed. The, one of the things I did was I changed my beer and or, and or alcohol to uh, sparkling water yeah. or, or water with gas. And and that gives me, you know, the like the idea like I'm drinking something, you know, with, totally. with, with substance. The that, bu- the bubbles are, is tricking my mind. That's why I did it too when I quit Coke. Or not, the, not the drug. <laughs> that's not terrible. But like Coca-Cola, that's what I drink, soda. And I needed that carbonation though. And yeah. actually I hated sparkling water, but I'm like, I need to trick my brain somehow. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, so that's that, that was my thing. Uh, I cut a shit ton of carbs out of my diet. I also do intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. From going back and forth so much. Yeah, one of the, the hardest thing it, for it's me like the twelve hours on, twelve off, or something. Yeah, yeah. but I do even less. So, okay. like, one of the hardest things for me was going back and forth so much was the jet lag. And how do I, how do I beat the jet lag on the amount of times that I come abroad? And last year I was struggling, and what I was doing was not coming off New York time and sleeping to three, four in the afternoon, and that was just taking a toll on me. And so I had to figure out a better a better option, and then mm-hmm. I started doing different tricks with my dieting. And obviously, I do the low carb ketosis stuff, but I I definitely do the the, the, the small window, like one to eight, one to nine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's even longer. Like today, I didn't eat my first uh, piece of food till three p.m. Dude, I'd be hangry as shit. <laughs> I went to the gym. I uh, 
I trained. I did an hour cardio and uh, pull-ups and shit like that. And and then I sat in the sauna, sw- sweat for 20, 25 minutes. And, and then I went to go get sushi and, and ate some raw food. I'm just trying to like eat clean as much as possible mm-hmm. and, and, and keep my sugar down. And I feel so much better, man. I feel sharper. Um, my cardio is higher. Um, I, and I'm like, you know, I'm turning 40 next month in January and I'm without a doubt and I'm not in the best shape of my life because I used to be in really good shape in, yeah. in my 20s. I was competing pretty high in football mm. and stuff. I'm not as strong as I was then but yeah. I think my cardio is without a doubt way higher and, yeah. and that says a lot, you know, and I, I think that my breathing is better and I feel, I feel like a new man. And I'm assuming it helps you click through the DJ sets a lot quicker and easier. Yeah, I'm sharper. I think my DJing is is the best it's been in my career by far, uh, and I think part of it's because you know my diet sharp. You know, that's a thing, man. Like, I mean, listen, here's the deal: this industry definitely has its rock and roll moments. There's people who are still partying. There's stories that like I would love for people to come tell on the show that <laughs> will never come do it. But for every situation that's like that, there is someone that is touring a lot. It's doing, you know, well, successfully and everything. But you would think, okay, they're off partying or they're finding groupies and shit. No, man. They're like, after a while, you realize, especially if you're doing eight plus gigs a month, you have to hit the gym. You have to, like, watch the booze. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. a lot of these people, it's that's really become a job for them. And then the other part of it to keep up with it is, like, you got to be healthy as hell. Yeah. I mean, know? yeah. Obviously, you know, if I'm home in Brooklyn and I'm playing output, and all my, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, and first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm home, and and my friends, my my, my friend friends, like non music friends, yeah. come out, it's a party. Shit's going of off. Of course, sure. Bottles yeah. are popping. Yeah, we're yeah. drinking tequila. The shit's about to get go on. It's it's real deal. Yeah. And I'll, I'll pick those moments. So of like, course you, have you know, to. I'll do them when I'm home, when I know I have no plane, or if I if I know I'm playing Berghain and. You know, we're all there hanging out, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to start doing shots and, and, mm-hmm. and drink. But, like, if I'm playing, like, you know, next weekend, I'm chances are I'm not going to drink exactly. on the road. You know, I'm not. If I if I have planes that are in tow and stuff like that, I, I, I don't even drink a glass of wine at dinner. Yeah, well, that's my – I'll drink at wine at dinner because I love it. Yeah. But uh, actually at gigs, I pretty much never drink anymore. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to – you know, this is not like – holier now or I'm not trying to preach you know, th- you know what works for some may not work for others for me I, I just need to not slow down you know yeah. like I need to keep this engine running as, as, as strong and as possible as, as strong and as healthy as possible because I, I hit some physical roadblock, roadblocks last year and I got sick and stuff like that and I really needed to make sure uh, everything is firing on mm-hmm. all cylinders and, and I think right now I'm good. I mean, That's I could be awesome. better. I could, you know, everybody could be better. Sure. But, uh, you know, it's a work in progress, but I'm definitely happy with, where, where, you know, for sure where I'm at. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, the other part of it is like, yeah, it's, it's not trying to be overly preachy here. It's more in the sense of like, uh, at least for me, like I can't do the fucking hangovers, man. That shit's just brutal. And I, well, that's why when I do drink, right. Or, or stuff oh. like that, when I do, it's, it's when there's no airplanes. Yeah. So like it's you know I'm home and I'm sleeping in my own bed in Brooklyn sure, yeah. or like I'm here and we're all hanging out and I know you there's can no burn flight a day or something. Yeah, yeah, that's different. You know, like I can I can just you know lose the Monday. 
I mean, yeah, it, it's it's super important. I mean, actually, for me, like, listen, I still love going out, getting wrecked and partying. That stuff's all fun and games, but it's like, let's say, fast forward seven days later, and you kind of like, oh, fuck, what did I do this week? Or has it been a busy week? We all kind of take accountability for whatever or yeah. lack of it. And, I mean, right now I'm super active in the studio. I love being productive or, like, I'm really into the that whole sort of thing rather than, like, having it be a blur. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, for me right now, I'm, <clears throat> I'm really busy. Maybe not on the production side so much, but I'm, it's really busy for me where, yeah, there's a lot of gigs. But what people don't see is there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes prior to those gigs, you know? Big and, time. like, meetings and concepts and talking to your agents and all that stuff so i've been really proactive recently coming up with you know future future planning and and things like that it's taking up a lot of my time and you know i couldn't be happier that i'm in this leverage position currently that i can i can do this yeah you know like and you know like when i did the uh, all night tour and have the ability to put something like this together you know and i got more plans for next year and it's taking up a lot of my time but what's beautiful is after new year's i go home and I'll be in North America for pretty much the you know the majority of the six months before summer, and I'll have plenty of time to oh you know turn my studio on and, and get creative. There's a couple pieces of of kit that I want to buy too. Yeah, I mean, like I was just telling you here, I got that that new SH one. I'm buying that or whatever for sure. Man, those things are fucking killer. Uh, basically, if you if you're on a budget and you want a little kind of boutique piece, it's great. It's worth having. But um, so here's the deal. Like, uh, you know, you're saying that, you know, there's a lot of time that goes into planning things, whether it's actually getting those gigs or like getting those gigs uh, or when, I mean, when you're there, like doing the best job that you can. Yeah. Um, I've been talking to a lot of people lately and it seems like it's more difficult than ever. Well, no, let me rephrase that. It's a lot more work than it ever has been to do that. At a high level. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, when I first moved to Berlin six and a half years ago, um, honestly, it was a it was a completely different piece. It was pretty easy. Like, I would come hang out uh, on the weekends. You could have these great gigs, have a lot of fun, party, whatever. You'd go back to Berlin and party some more. And then, like, you kind of have a whole week where it's like, Maybe you're working on a remix or maybe you're playing video games. It, it just, like, it, it was a little bit more laid back. You could do whatever. Now that, that era is done. Like, you got to be constantly doing something. you got to be completely and utterly proactive. If if you want to make this a Legit. full-time gig. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, man. The, the game is, I don't want I hate using the term the game. The, the, but it the, is. The, <laughs> the, the, the industry has changed. Yeah. And that's undeniable. And it's... I'm not saying that you have to conform to it. That's not the right word. But you definitely have to be proactive. Yeah. And and definitely make adjustments mm-hmm. if you want to stay stay you know operating on a high level. Well, you know, I had a really bad year this year. Not and that's not the right word. I had a really bad start of the year. Mm-hmm. Like I was borderline about to you know call the people at Con Edison mm-hmm. and and go back to work. That's how bad it got. You know, yeah. and like you know. I even called like I still have like some of the people that I used to work with that were like my helpers now are, are supervisors and stuff and we were talking and they were like yeah don't worry you know if you you have to go back to work we, you know I'm sure we, we can got you. we yeah. got you 
And I, you know, that's how close it was getting. You, yeah. you know, and then June hit the album hit, and then June came about, and then it was like back to back to the races. But uh, you know, it got scary for a minute, and you know, it's, it was, it was de- definitely an eye opening experience. Yeah, I think. I mean, of, of of course, at the time, it's the worst thing ever. Nobody wants to deal with it. But then later on, um, as long as a person isn't a piece of shit, they can kind of turn lemons and lemonade and be like, yeah, you know what? That was an eye opener. It kind of, some people would say a character builder, but I mean, yeah. it, it really forces you to reassess the situation and maybe not take things for granted or whatever. Like I know I've definitely had ups and downs. It'll be my 20th year next year. Yeah. So I've had my peaks and valleys and I'm, you know, going through the same shit currently. And it's like, it, it can be a little rough, but then at the same time you realize the next time, things come back around you're like all right you can't take this for granted or like those days of like i said the days of kind of sitting around and playing video games and shit waiting for the weekend that's over (laughs) you know what i mean like that was the 20s you know i mean there's so many things now that you know there's there's so many moving parts and and that's the difference today in the past even three four years ago you may not have had as many uh parts moving you know i I don't want to bog people down with industry talk or like shit like that, you know, because that gets a little monotonous and boring. Sure. But, you know, the, it's definitely the music industry has definitely changed. And it's changed across the board, you know, like I'm sure people have listened to like their favorite hip hop artists talk. And when they, when they're speaking, you know, you can hear them talking about record deals. And then the record deals have changed so much. There's these things called 360 deals. And if people don't know what that is, that means they own everything. No. You're basically signing on, and they own your touring, your merchandising, oh, yeah, y- y- your you're records, your music. You're just an employee. That's it. Yeah. And, and you're barely getting a salary, you know. And like, there's huge artists that are that are signed to these kind of contracts. Like, you know, maybe a Travis Scott or somebody like that. You know, these people that are, are murking the game, mm-hmm. they're probably not killing it financially because they're they're signed on to these 360 deals. That shit's starting to pick up a little bit here in this industry, though, too. Yeah, man. I know? mean, like that's what I'm trying to say. There's, just these, there's a lot of moving parts, and the industry has, has completely changed in, in, in a funny dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, and, it's, and there's definitely a spillover. And all these lines are blurred because back in the day, if you had a Coachella, there was no electronic artist playing that. No. And now it's loaded. It's 50%. Yeah. You know? It's just that the industry is different, you know, and, and everything is changing. So it's like you have to be proactive and, and definitely make things interesting or you're going to get left behind. The, but I think, I mean, of course, that soon sounds super doom and gloom because it is. But at the same time. Well, no, no, not really. You know, we're, we're, well, be, we're saying, though, be proactive. Do this. You sure. Know, there, there's things that, that there's, you know, you can if you you were the type that's going to sit back and just hope. Things are going to come in. Yeah, that that maybe in the past that would work. Yeah, that's but it's a wrap. Definitely not happening now. That's a wrap. Yeah. But if you're proactive and you want to make it work and you want to yeah. make it happen, you can make it happen. You got to you know? be a hustler. Yeah, period. you got you just got to do the work. But I mean, the nice thing is now, and I, I mean, maybe I don't know. It's a little different for the Americas, but definitely I've noticed in Europe. Of course, you have a lot of, uh, for the gigs these days. There's a lot of people who in the middle are having really slow periods and then you got people who would be let's just prefer them as like the A-list talent or people that are doing quite well you know what I mean like those people always have gigs and then uh, the people in the middle not so much but there's a lot of uh, promoters who are kind of looking for 
I don't want to say new talent as in like you never left your bedroom before, but like let's say you got a couple records out and you're like willing to fly somewhere for a flight and a couple hundred bucks and just ready to party. Like there's a lot of those kind of parties going on right now. You know what I mean? In um, big in big venues. Exactly. You know, did, when I look at some of the uh, the the lineups at some of the top clubs, I'm always seeing names that I never even heard of these people. Yeah. You know, or you wouldn't have expected, let's or, say. Even no, too. but I mean, like, yeah, that, but not even so much that, just like flat out. Like, I'm not trying to be a dick. You know, yeah. maybe I'm showing my age a little, so maybe I'm a little out of touch with the, the younger generation mm-hmm. coming up. But, uh, you know, I'll see tons of names that I've never seen ever playing out. Totally. You know, and I think it's good. It, it's, it, there's pros and cons to it. You know, yeah, I think it's great that there's new talent getting, getting, uh, gigs. Um, but then, you know, when you're you're so locked into booking new talent, there's tons of talent of that's in in that middle ground who've earned those gigs that are not being booked. That you you, you yeah. might you're gonna start seeing casualty like casualties of war. You know what I mean? That's that's <laughs> happening left and right this year. I yeah, think, yeah, totally. Lot. And uh, I guess that's what I was getting at. Like most of that, most of them are casualties of war. Yeah. Um. But the the good news is for those people who haven't had a shot at it, the they seem to be getting booked. You, you know, know, the biggest thing for me was when I was at Deck Metal at the festival, the one, yeah. the, the, the big one in Amsterdam. The biggest thing for me that I noticed as an artist and, you know, someone that maybe is a little bit, I'm not old, not like that. I'm not, you know, not, but uh, when you look around, you realize how young the talent is today. Oh, yeah. And that, that was something that was really, really, really eye-opening. And that's not it's not just young girls. I mean, it's across the board. Like, tons of twenty year old dudes, twenty you know, twenty year old girls. And I'm like, damn. I'm like, you know, the industry was. I don't. I feel like it's never been younger. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I know when I started putting out records, I was I think my first one was when I was nineteen or something. Yeah. Which was pretty young at the time. I ran into that's, that was kind of an anomaly. I ran into Tim Xavier the other day, and he had. He was talking about how he booked uh, me in the past in Chicago when I was still doing this attack people thing with Ian Lehman. And they had to sneak me into the bar because I wasn't old enough to be in there to play. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, um, and but then, you know, like you just said, I, I feel the same way. I'm like, fuck, dude, these people are so young. The, the kids that are going out to these parties are so young. But then I started thinking about it. I was 14 or 15 when I started going to parties. I had my first records out when I was 18, 19, something like that. So, like, I don't think I, I would have been. Truthfully, I I honestly don't think I would have been mentally ready to do this on this level, like how some some of these guys are doing it, like you know Cobasil or whoever that are like twenty four, twenty five, and yeah. and like I don't think I I would have been I I know me and I know how I was then mentally I was not ready for this industry. No, no, in, you, in those ages. Fact is, most aren't. The reality is, the a lot of them that are doing it at this age aren't handling it right. Yeah. Um. I mean, of course, they're having fun. I'm not going to talk shit about them. You know, uh, some of them are doing it really well, and I I can already tell like some of these people are going to be sticking around for ten years plus or something like that. And yeah. then there's others where you're like, all right, you got two years, enjoy it. I'm not trying to be a dick. That sounds fucking brutal. But I'm just like, I, I've seen this play out too many times to to not have that feeling. Yeah. You know? But there's some guys like you know, like I said, like I, I mentioned Max. Like Max looks like he's gonna have a, a long career, or like Hayden, mm-hmm. uh, Phase Fatale. Yeah. He's a young dude, man. You know. Yeah. 
and and murking it and and, yeah, definitely. and and making you know and like handling the business well and really you know doing his thing and i don't know if I, at that age i i, I was mentally ready for this business um, i don't think i know me and i i was a, i was a complete nutter fuck up i'm yeah i mean here's the thing <laughs> but at least you're honest yeah man uh, i mean like yeah so here's the deal i was i was touring in my early 20s and even though i i got to go around the world and i was doing pretty well by what most people consider as standards on the show like i think these days the people who are 23 24 touring are have surpassed what I could do when I was touring at 23 or 24. Cause it's like, you can just get ahead that much quicker. The parties are better now. There's, yeah. you know, there's, it's a machine. Like you said, there's many pieces. The productions so are, are insane. These if, days. if I was to be 23 years old in, and doing this shit now, I would fuck it up. A hundred percent. I would, I know I would, I know, I, I know I would have been a disaster, mm-hmm. you know, I have no doubt in my mind. But and, I, and, and I was an angry kid. Yeah, well, I yeah. mean, not 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 discredited your your anger, but I have to say, a lot of young guys were pretty angry at the time. But you know, I know that you you definitely had it in you, and yeah. it it takes time to get over that. And I but you can see that in some of the people now when they're touring, where it's just yeah. like they're kind of dark, or they they want more. And it's like, dude, you're 24, you're probably making a medium, uh, or I mean, uh, the median income. What is that? Middle class. Sorry, I had a couple whiskeys here uh so you're already at least middle class when you're 24 just for playing fucking records you know what i mean it's like pretty chill incredible. out man you know yeah it's a it's a, it's a great time i mean I, it's a it's a great time for for young people you know i i'm seeing people get bookings off of or dj mixes off of blogs these days totally it's absurd like that would have never happened years ago mm-hmm. you know like um one of the premier parties in japan is that labyrinth party yeah russ monk does the, it. uh the, the festival yep and uh a lot of the times the people that he books is just random podcasts yeah like a f- it can be ambient banging ass techno house, he's booked you know. friends of mine from new york city young young guys uh they're called long count cycle okay and they throw parties in new york and they have no music out zero they made one mix that which was really good on uh I like to say it was truant, but I might be wrong on that. On uh, definitely on a blog, maybe Smoke Machine, one one of these really cool like boutique blogs, and uh, they got booked to play Japan at La- Labyrinth Festival, and uh, you know, just off the mix, that's pretty cool, man. I mean, that would have that would have awesome. never happened, you know, back in the day. You would you would have needed at least you know a handful of records, big time. You know, I mean, I've always said that the. The world kind of needs more promoters like Russ, people that are just like, I'm going to book this guy because I like their DJ mix. You know, Kurt yeah. X was like that from Drop Bass back in the day. Like, he wasn't always checking out records. She's like, that sounds cool. Let's do it. You yeah. know? And, um, you know, as we were talking earlier in the show, whether it's like the RA polls or social media or whatever is convincing promoters to book stuff, Spotify runs or whatever, yeah. like, um, I don't know, man. I, I really think the key, the best promoters that I show up and play for are the ones that have the vision. I, every time I get in the car, because, you know, the first thing you got, you got to do this small talk, and it's at least a half hour of the hotel. You're like, fuck. So you're like, run through the technical questions. Who's coming through the doors at the club soon? You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, run through the usual things. But I ask that question all the time. And, you know, they'll be like, oh, in the next two months, we've got so-and-so. And right then and there, I can I can tell right from their booking policy, like, okay, they're kind of all over the place. They have a very good vision. 
whether it's uh, classy bookings or whether it's just kind of like they don't know what they're doing, you can tell a lot from that, at least when you've been around for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I think the key to really building up something awesome is just to be very specific on what you're going to do and just stick to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think maturity and sound and all that, that's definitely, that's a, that goes a long way. Definitely. And I mean, but it's great too because like, uh, especially in Italy, there's so many times that you show up and the promoter's like 21 <laughs> years old and you're like, holy shit. Promoters are getting young too. It's crazy. It's not just, not just Italy. It's, you know, you get picked Everywhere. up. Yeah, it's like, wow. Definitely. The scene is, the scene, the scene just overall is, is become younger. It, yeah, I mean, I know there's always been young people around, but it, it feels like, uh, definitely feels like that more. Maybe it's because we're getting older. Who knows? I don't know. Nah, man. I don't remember, you know, like nightclubs being owned by like 30-year-olds. True. And that's happening today. Mm-hmm. Wherever the money's coming from, if it's investors or whatever, people are, are, are wiser now and they're able to get, you know, funding outside of just their own pockets and, you know... But there's p- young people making shit happen on many levels, not just, you know, it could be festivals, it could be nightclubs, it could be PRs, it could be a lot of things, you know, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, pieces of the pie. And a lot of them happen to be younger, you know, which is, it's cool. No, totally. And I mean, <clears throat> I li- I, I'm trying to... But don't come at me like you're gonna come at me trying to get my record bag because you're gonna yeah, yeah. out DJ me. I'll cut <laughs> yeah. your head off with this record. <laughs> well, there was. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> I forget where it was. I was somewhere in like the last three, four months where it was very obviously one of those old school tricks where you book like a couple badass DJs, but then the promoter puts themselves at peak time sort of oh. thing, <laughs> and they're like, "Dude, you gotta be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> and it, it, like, but I mean, I, I, I. I just let them kind of roll with it. I was just like, whatever. And in fact, for me, it was, it worked out better because I could sleep in longer at the hotel. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, it's just, it's just evident though, like, when, when you show up and it, that doesn't, that's not the smartest move to do as a promoter though, because it, they, you can really tell when someone can take control of the room and when they're not taking control of it. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, totally. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a good thing. And I, I think that we're going to see even more of it in the future too, because, it used to be where, it, well, I've noticed a lot when you when you talk about obviously club owners that are thirty years older in that age bracket, it's not like they fucking won the lottery or something. Usually, it comes from family money or old money or inheritance or whatever. Yeah, but or, or there's you know also like investors. A lot sure, of people. There's, that too, there's yeah. a lot of that going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like they'll, you know, kick a business plan to real real money. And then sure. like, and then get the money to to come in, you know. And then th- th- they'll have investors, and then they'll have you know meetings every every week and talk about parties and mm-hmm. if the parties are making money or not. You know, I know that's going on, hundred percent. Yeah, well, I I mean that's what I was kind of getting at is it used to be where it's like if you I think that was maybe a baby boomer thing where it's like they would take the money and be like we got to invest into something more conservative and real and like these days this generation's kind of like kids are into this shit and it's it's young but I have a I have this potential area to like get investors or I'm sitting on money from the family and this is kind of my passion. I'm never going to be a good DJ, but I think I can do what it takes to, to make a great club. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know? 
you know, like we said, you know, obviously the festival circuit is a big part of this industry these days, right? But you're seeing tons of things that would have never booked electronic music, mm -hmm. you know, like Bonnaroo or, like I said, Coachella or stuff like that. You know, and, and I'm generally using the American festivals as the example because in Europe, it's always been normal to have electronic music at, mm -hmm. at festivals. So I want, I want to point out that this is happening at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's important to be noted. Like, yeah, there was always Ultra, but I'm talking about outside of Ultra. That Now you have, like, I think Mutech just announced they're having it in, in California. Yep. But is it is the whole thing moving? Do you know, or is it another one? It's another one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you got Coachella, of course. And you got Coachella, not. and you I'm got... guessing that'll be announced real soon. Yeah, Detroit. Yep. Exactly. You know, there's tons of stuff. You know, it's Bonnaroo. Obviously, that's another big one. Do you, do you uh, also Moogfest. That's right. It's biannual. It's coming back this year, right? Yep. Um, do you see festival culture sticking around or not really? I mean, it'll always be around. But well, I'll tell you something. This summer, I was out here, and I wasn't really playing a lot of the festivals. I only played like one or two, and then I did Deck Mental. But I was out here, and I was gigging a lot, and I was playing a lot of nightclubs. And I can tell you one thing for sure. Something has to give because festivals are eating in the nightclubs in the summertime. It's killing them big time. Big time. You know, and it's undeniable what's going on. Yeah. You know, and, and like... You'll go to a city. You could be playing one of the top clubs in that in that you know city that you used to, you know usually is packed in the dead mm -hmm. of winter, and they'll be like, "Well, there's a festival, you know, half hour outside the city with you know 50 DJs. They're all badasses." And <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it's like the top 50 mm -hmm. DJ list on the RA, and they're like, you know, chances are there's only gonna be a couple hundred people here tonight, you know, and, and it's a club that's for you know 1100, you mm -hmm. know. And and that's kind of normal for no matter how big you or small you are. It's like people a lot facing of big that clubs on the road. shut down. Period. Yeah, man. It's it's just, it's definitely a part of the industry that's not discussed right now, and it's definitely an issue. And, it's going to come up big time in the next year for sure. You'll see think pieces and yeah. And I think like I think prom not promoters is not the right word. I think booking agents need to become more cognizant that this is happening. Yeah, and maybe rethink. Just throwing every artist at, on a on a, a on a festival on a lineup. festival lineup, yeah. I mean, here's the deal: like the, the smart promoters these days, they will of course take the the gigs where you know you can get big crowds of big money, or whatever. But it's always a good, not just as a person, but a business too. Like play the smaller clubs where you can't take the big fee. We do this too, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, all right, we're gonna do this smaller club where it's still fucking cool. And you don't get paid what you get paid elsewhere, but it's going to be awesome. It's just worth doing. I mean, here's what like, I think. If this festival's right, like, like if they're happening, whatever, I think most of the time those festivals, if there's a, a club, they should be hosting the after party. And then, and they, then like, the tickets kind of, like, work together. They work out a, a, door, a door fee or whatever. Yeah. And then, like, that ensures the clubs to be packed while the festivals are packed, yeah. you know? They try that. And, you know, I've actually done some of the after parties for these big festivals. And when you're out in the sun all day and you're drinking or doing whatever, like, they kind of show up, like, fucking half-assed by that point. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. usually not a good vibe. I mean, I, I guess what I was getting at is just, like, you know, the smart promoters, they used to make sure they do the small gigs to keep a, their finger on the pulse or the ear of the streets. And I think... 
another thing needs to be is they just need to be like, listen, it would be awesome to take five figures for this festival gig, but maybe we got to keep these clubs open so we can continue to tour for the rest of the year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we're both fans of Joe Rogan and he talks about comedy clubs and how comedy clubs are also struggling on, you know, and like he chooses to do like a lot of these little venues instead of always doing big theaters. Totally. Because it means that they get to keep the doors open, you know, and, and he, 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 you know, you can always hear him on his podcast discuss, you know, and it's very similar, you know, like, like comedians and, and comedies kind of similar to us and things that they're facing, you know, and, uh, you know, they're always pushing that, like, you know, got to do the small rooms because they're just as important as doing the bigger stuff. Dude, it, it's, it's huge. And not only that, but it, it's, it's just, not it's not just for the club that's for the whole fucking culture in general like if you go play at staples center you're going to benefit that neighborhood you know what i'm saying whether if you're a band or whatever it could be not a comedian obviously but like uh you know i have a lot of friends that are in uh in bands and stuff like that and they can be playing these spots that are like live nation venues and whatnot and they've chose to like boycott that whole formula so like you look at the the lineup and instead of playing one night in let's just say Chicago or whatever the Live Nation venue is, they'll do three or four nights, kind of like you do a comedy show for a smaller room, which is, let's just say for lack of better wording, like definitely more indie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think that's really, if you're smart about it, that's the best way you could go forward. Like that's that's how you make sure, like Willie Nelson, uh, that motherfucker is going to have, well, I mean, he's, I don't know how much time he has left. I'm not trying to be an <laughs> asshole, but he's always going to have people coming out to his shows because he's not trying to like nickel and dime everybody on these big venues and being like doing the one tour every four years or something like that he's always hitting small spots you yeah. know what i mean and i think there's something to be said for that yeah totally man i mean you you want to play all different sizes and it's i think it's really important yeah definitely you don't you just don't want to be the artist that's just cashing out you know i think it's really important to cultivate the community and part of being proactive is making sure that you're playing the venues that are accessible to maybe people that aren't you know able to get into some place that's a little bit more expensive you know totally i mean and the other part of it is maybe those crowds will also um push you to try something different or go outside your safety zone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you just like, cool, this whole summer I'm doing pretty much just festival gigs. So, which for a lot of those guys can be four in a weekend. So in one month, let's say you're doing 16 festival gigs, you're pretty much going to can the same set the whole time. I don't care what you say, how much you fucking dig through stuff. Like the track listing's going to be pretty static, you know? So, I think it's important to do those gigs where you find yourself playing outside your box a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, that being said, for you, uh, you know, coming up, we're at the holidays now. What's what's your schedule looking like? It's pretty fucking rad. I have uh, I'm off this weekend, but that's because I leave. Uh, I think Tuesday or Wednesday to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I'm playing Johannesburg and wow, awesome. uh, Cape Town. Nice. Yeah, man. That's fucking awesome. So you're going to spend a few days down there before both, Yeah, yeah. I'm, so I'm going to spend a few days in Johannesburg and, a, few, and a, a couple of days in Cape Town. What's the... You got anything like on the list? You're like, man, I got to try this or check that out? Or you just kind of... 
going down blind. Yeah, I'm just going down blind. I mean, I would love to go to Safari, but I think I need to get shots or something like that for that. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you I, have well, to get those anyway for, for South Africa or no? I don't know, man. I think the only person I know that's gone is Zach. Okay. So I, I should definitely talk to him about that. Um, but yeah, man, I'm stoked about it. I think it's fucking cool as hell. And then, uh, I play, uh, this club in Ghent called Compass, which is a really cool mm-hmm. space. Yeah. And I'm playing a five hour DJ set and, uh, I'm playing like, they have like three different size rooms. So the really big, big, big room is going to be Chris Liebing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the middle size room, which has got these like really cool, like custom speakers that have flown. And, uh. And then I'm playing some like little club in, in Germany, which should be cool. And then I go home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then I come back for New Year's and I play Tel Aviv and Panorama Bar. Awesome. Yeah. I did uh, I did Tel Aviv on New Year's Day a couple of years ago with Yotam Avni. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the, the thing is, is like I had Yotam on the show and... He's just a really cool dude in general, and basically, we we really went into discussions about you know everything Israel. Well, we didn't get too political or whatever. And honestly, like he's just one of those guys that uh, is a is definitely more liberal. That's that's very obvious. And he he you know, like I guess what I'm getting at is like I've been reading a lot lately. Like uh, the knife just came out, and there's a couple other groups. I think maybe Matthew Herbert. They're like, I'm not playing in Israel. Fuck that. Blah blah blah. I get it. I totally understand the Recently? reasons. Yeah, like in the past week. Really? Yeah. <laughs> the knife said that today, or at least I read that today. Um, and that makes me so mad. You have no idea. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Like, and I mean, I get why they're saying it because I kind of felt the same way with Russia for a bit, uh-huh. to be honest. And I, I've I've decided recently to kind of change my feelings because I wasn't really happy how they were like, you know outline homosexuality and you know a lot of these things like that and so i was just like i don't need to go even though i actually every time i've been to russia has been really interesting fun crazy stories wild shit that i can't even talk about on here and uh but i was just like you know you want to take a stand but then you think about it and it's just there would be like everybody assuming that like all americans like trump or all americans like whatever you know you want to put you want to say the bad guy is and it's like dude it's a very uh, divided country right now, and Israel's no different. And I think that like the people that you're going for are super fucking warm. It's one of my favorite places to play. Uh, it's wide they, open mentally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's really open minded, and it's like, of course, you have crazy fucking people out there that want to keep Palestine down and all that shit. But it's like that is a. Um, that's just like a portion of the the overall population of that country. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, but those are those decision makers that that do that have nothing to do with like an 18 year old kid that's, that's going. That's to what a, I'm getting club, at. You know? know, and uh, like there was a year everybody was canceling the Israel gigs. Yeah, you remember that? That was well, like that's th- that were, was like two or three years that's ago. They were talking about bombs might be dropping. <laughs> well, know, but, so everybody was canceling. Yeah. And it was uh, the 10-year anniversary of Breakfast Club. And mm-hmm. they, they asked me, what, you know, would, would I like to go? Because they were like, every DJ is, is canceled. And I actually considered it, and, and I went. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they did like this whole question mark thing, who's the DJ? And I went, and the party was killer. And you could see the bombs. 
when you when you land and, and you're driving to Tel Aviv, you can literally see them in in like the outset, and it's like they're almost like they're almost like testing the bombs. It looks like you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the the people that go to the party they're sk- trying to escape the pressures of the politics. Oh. Why are you crucifying them or? You know, by not going and not giving them their escape, you're you're hurting totally. you're you're hurting that those people you know who are looking to get away. And that's why I look at it, and that's why I, I don't mix the two men. You know, a I hate politics, but b I just don't want to mix mix you know that th- those mind frames. I mean, I, I guess music is heavily po- you know politically driven, which is you know always been a thing, I guess. But me personally, I try not to. Not to, you know, because, you know, we had Obama a few years ago and, mm-hmm. and, the, and everything's peachy and clean. But the reality is in America, it wasn't peachy, no. you know, and now you got Trump and, you know, supposedly the world's coming to the end. But nothing's really happened except that the world's on, uh, America's on pause. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are not pissed off at, at each other. That's the, the, that's it. the biggest thing. That's yeah. the biggest thing, you know, and like, you know, do, do you crucify the people and not go? Like, I think, who is it? Dave Clark or someone made, made a comment. I'm not going to America. You weren't going anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so who are you kidding? Why? You have to go on record about it, you know? Yeah. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's whack. No, I agree completely. And uh, I just I just wanted to mention that because, yeah, Israel came up before. And a couple of people asked me, like, man, why are you really so pro-Israel? And it's like, listen, all the fucking politics aside, like... I'm talking about meeting great people, good food, good parties. If we're talking about those things, then yeah, I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Um, I, I met some really, really great people, man, that I've, I've, I've now kept a relationship with for like six, six years or something like that. Five, you know, mm-hmm. five or six years since I've been going there from the first time. You know, and, and I wouldn't want to not go, you know, and play for these people because of, of the, this mm-hmm. nonsense. Totally. That's what it is, man. It's fucking nonsense. <laughs> I, I hate politics. Like you have no idea. I, I agree completely. You know, um, I, I I decided like when I started this show, and for the most part I've stuck to it. But I was like, because you know, there's no I'm not attached to any news site here. There's no bias. I can say fuck this guy, fuck that girl, whatever. Like I'd say anything one. But I was like, I'm gonna set two rules. One, there's no talking about frequent flyer miles because that's the most boring shit you can hear about <laughs> on a podcast. And two, let's try to keep the politics out of it. Uh-huh. I think it's fine to acknowledge it and like maybe throw in a bit here or there. But it's like to go deep on it. People are like, well, you should. I, I'm curious to know what they're talking about. Like, yeah, I think then, like right fuck. now it's so politic, politically driven. Right, yeah. that's the word. Uh, I think everyone's so politically and socially driven, especially on social media, mm-hmm. that they, you know, it's almost like a topic, a DJ topic, almost like basically you can start a news outlet like a, a DJNN <laughs> with all the fucking politics that is spoken on Twitter right now. It's like absurd, Big like time. you know, like seriously, like what's you know, DJ somebody so and so say today about Trump or. You know, some sort of social thing. It's I don't know. It's crazy. See, maybe I come from a weird point of view, and that's because I used to do you know Con Edison, which I've spoke about here, which is the emergency, uh, the emergency responding for gas emergencies for New York City. I was New York based, only Manhattan based for Lower Manhattan. So for building blew up or whatever, I worked with government government agencies, and when I started. Bush was president of the United States, mm-hmm. and you work with these departments. 
you yeah. go, you know, you go to these huge conventions, whatever, and you have to talk about all, you know, all the the restrictions and everything like that. You have to follow these guidelines. They're, they're copacetic throughout the entire country when you work on that kind of format, right? When Trump, when well, not Trump, when when Bush left and Obama won, nothing fucking changed behind yeah. those those doors. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? So like. On, on the outside, people think like, oh, my God, you know, we have this person and that person. I've been behind those doors. Mm-hmm. Those seats don't change. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, whatever happens. So, like, you know, that's why things operate the way they do, you know, and as slowly as they are. Because, you know, politics has been developed in the, in the system to, to, to work that way. Definitely. I mean, it's not only is it definitely more complex than... Uh, two of us idiot DJs can deduce at the table right here yeah. and now. But, I mean, you know, another uh, thing is last year with the election, and we were also talking about, um, or not even then, but with the appointing the Supreme Court justices, something like that is very substantial. Most people yeah. just look at the president as a figurehead and, like, either things change with that person or not. And there's a lot of shit going on, especially at the local level. I think that's really where people need to... On the local level is where... The most shit happens. Mm-hmm. Like a mayor, for instance, like a mayor of New York City. A mayor of New York City can affect your daily life way more so than yeah. a president of the United States. And I've seen it. Like Bloomberg changed the entire face of New York City, believe it or not. Yeah, no, totally. It's like crazy. The, the, the way the city looks will never be the same because of Bloomberg because he lifted all kinds of restrictions and zoning laws. And now you have... Back in the day, you couldn't build a building. I think it was either four stories or six stories. That was the highest. Mm-hmm. Now you have an eighty-story fucking building, eighty-story building right next to a six-story. Yeah, that never happened. You know, there was reasons for it, and now yeah. the skyline is a, is a fucking train wreck. Yeah, you know, I'm not one of these like oh, old New York, whatever. All I'm saying is, it just looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, and and the city will never be the same. You know, and he 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 did some cool shit with like streets and like the way they 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 took the parking out. You, yeah, you've been to Manhattan, yeah, right? of you, course, you know, yeah. like all the parkings like in the middle of the street, and they have like the bike lanes. So like, it's definitely more efficient for like and more green. Yeah, you know, which is cool. You, you know, and, and bike bike riding and stuff is really rad in New York. Well, I mean, here's a prime example. We're chilling in Berlin right now. Um, I realize the majority of listeners on this podcast either haven't been to Berlin or at least don't live here. And Berlin is like its own country compared to the rest of Germany. That's because all the crazy shit that's going on here, granted, it is because it has been a political battleground for fucking decades. Yeah, it's a young country. Well, I mean, a young city. Yeah, but anyway, like, still, uh, things are upheld depending on the local level. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it just goes to show, like, there's a reason why clubs like, you know, Burkheim can stay open until Monday morning and shit like that. It, it comes down to, you know, the lo- yeah. Angela Merkel isn't going to have a fucking opinion over it, but, yeah. this, you know, the city officials do. You know? Yeah, on, on, like, you know, you were talking about, like, the local level. Like on a local level, depending on the mayor, you know, you have mayors that are not flexible, some that are. And now in New York City, perfect example, the city is th- thriving mm-hmm. for music in, in, in every Seems sense like of it. There's all kinds of shit going on. There's all on. new clubs, there's tons of new clubs, there's tons of great music, there's tons of uh, techno, tons of great shit. 
and a group of people just got the uh, part of the disc women and a few people like you know on a on a, a local level have gotten together and, and got the the uh, cabaret law repealed mm-hmm. and that officially got signed by the Blasio the mayor yeah today right uh, yeah, or yesterday or yesterday, today yeah. that's a huge thing because that licensing was complicated to get that license for a nightclub cost maybe a hundred thousand dollars holy shit for lawyering and processing and all that stuff to get that taken out was a huge deal you know so now you have now you you know you can open up venues you don't have to worry about that now you just got to make sure you, you know you're you're just complying on on a fire safety standard and i'm aware of this stuff because i worked in that in that field you know yeah you know with, with like compliance with the fire and all that so if you can open up a venue that has enough doors to get in and out safely you, you can you're basically halfway home because you don't have to go through the the political yeah. restrictions of going in front of, you know, getting – because you had to get, like, the community to sign on, which is nearly impossible in New York yeah. City, you know, to open up a new club. And and that was the, one of the complicated things. So now you're skipping that part. That whole part is gone now. Oh, wow. So you so, don't have to ask the neighbors. And no, stuff. now all you have to do is get the, the liquor license. You know, you just got to – you know, if you're going to serve alcohol. Mm-hmm. So if you're serving alcohol, you know, the hardest – Part of the battle's gone. The cabaret is gone. So now you just got to get your liquor license and, and, you know, open the doors, you know, get your, your, your sound system. So I think it's, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. Like, I think New York is really killing it right now. And, I and, agree. And it hasn't even peaked because you have so many venues open. You got this new club elsewhere, which opened while I, was, while I was out here when I started the tour in October. What pro is that in? It's in, it's in Brooklyn. Everything's going to be in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, so that's not that part of it's not changing anytime. No, soon. because the, the way the city has been redesigned and, and rezoned, you know, they made sure to move all nightlife to Brooklyn. That, that, that so was, it's just safe to say that Manhattan, in that regard, is fucking gonna stay dead. Yeah, it's pretty much done. Like you're not gonna be going to a nightclub in, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I think that's that's a wrap. You know, um, you know, you, you got a couple of stragglers still holding on, mm-hmm. but. I don't. I don't foresee people investing money into a, a club in Manhattan, maybe in Harlem, but it won't be a techno club, you know, because yeah. there's cool shit in Harlem. Yeah, you know, there's cool jazz clubs, there's cool hip hop clubs, stuff like that. But you're not finding like a, a, a techno club uptown. Nobody wants to travel, man. In 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 the when I was young, people didn't think twice about going far. To go to a party, sure, yeah. So same you, here. you know, like back in the day, there was amazing clubs like Tunnel or uh, Mirage, or Mirage was like on Fifty Seventh Street and Twelfth Avenue. If you you told a young kid today to go to Fifty Seventh Street and Twelfth Avenue in Manhattan, they would never go. They would oh, be, yeah. like, they would be like, no way, you know. Like going outside of Bushwick is like unheard of. It's like foreign, you know, to, to the, this new generation. Everything's got to be close and, like, convenient. If it's not convenient, then it's not going to happen. Yeah, that's the way it goes now. You yeah. Know, like, and, I well, not only that, but, um, well, at, no, I was thinking the reverse because I was going to say, like, a lot. the city has cleaned up a lot. But, like, it used to be you would travel back in the day, but there was a lot of places that maybe you shouldn't be going either. Like, and, you know, Feel free to fucking break this myth or not, but like I remember the first time that I ever went to Satellite Records, I got in the taxi and the driver's like, 
where you want to go when I gave him the address. I think it was on Bowery, was it, or something? Yeah, I don't know which one you went to. There was two of them. There was okay. the, the original anyway, was, a, was like a little one, and then it was a massive one. On, they're both on the Bowery, I just think a few it was blocks on away. A little, I think it was the little one. Yeah. Anyway, and this... Uh, the, the taxi driver as fuck that name. Yeah, the taxi driver is like, no, I'm not taking you there. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and he's like, dude, this is not the place you need to be. What's over there? I'm like, there's a record shop. He's like, you want to go here for a record shop? I'm like, yeah, and of course, because I was, a, you know, tourist at the time. And I'm like, dude, it'll be fine. He's like, all right, man, but I'm telling you, this ain't a wise idea. CBGBs, the original satellite CBGBs was across the street. Oh no shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And but I mean, but what what was there now by this point? You know now. Uh, oh well, but I mean, I would have, let's say the nineties because it was open. Was. CB CBGB's only closed down like 12, no shit. 10, 12 years ago, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it ran its course. It wasn't like of course, yeah. the, you know, the I mean, it was the It was the same place, but it just wasn't. You mm -hmm. know, like cool bands weren't playing there anymore. That those days ran its course. Did you ever see that show, Vinyl? No, nah, but I heard it's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was all right. It was on HBO, and anyway, it lasted one season and got cut. But you could tell what they, they kept going to this bar and hanging out and seeing bands and shit. And then, like the last episode, they revealed it was going to be CBGBs, or like you know that was gonna it was definitely going to be this fucking spot for the second season. And then the show got canceled. But uh, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that went on there. You know yeah, man. I mean? I mean, it was a tremendous venue with. Crazy history. I mean, you know, the Ramones, all those people all came out of there. Totally. So I, w I was curious to see it, but at the same time, like, I didn't really lose any sleep over that show getting canceled. So. <laughs> but it'd be cool if, if there was something like a, a show like that, that, or even a documentary series would be awesome about that place. Yeah. I mean, there's got, I'm sh there's got to be. I, I would imagine that there, there has to be. I there's some cool documentaries about, like, old New York. Mm -hmm. There's a... You know who Bobito and, and and Stretch Armstrong are? Stretch, yeah. So they used to have this legendary radio show in New York City uh, at, off of it was like it was like a pirate radio station, which is a college thing, mm -hmm. kind of like Beats in Space, but you know for hip hop. And it was one of the most legendary radio shows ever. Like they broke so many artists to the point where if they had somebody that was coming on the radio show, it was a done deal. Pretty much like, like a Johnny Carson type thing. Pretty much check this out. A and R's at the time when A and R's had big money, right? Yeah. Were listening. They were like, "Holy fuck, this guy's sick!" And then they would run down and not let that artist leave the fucking studio until they signed him. Wow. And like some of those people were like, "Oh, dirty bastard," and and it was a shit ton of others. And like, there's a documentary that Bobito Garcia. He funded it himself, and he put the documentary together. It's on Netflix, and uh, damn, I think it's called maybe it's called Stretch and Bobito. But uh, they have tons of they would at the time. Think about this: this is like 1990, right? Mm -hmm. A 17 year old Biggie would come up, do a freestyle rap, or whatever, and they had these, you know, the handheld cameras. Those cameras were fucking, fucking huge. huge back you got to set them on your shoulder, basically. So, so they have tons of footage of all these old videos of like of from the radio show. It's incredible and it's like a piece of history of like New York City and it's totally worth watching and it's totally well done. And there's, there's a lot of cool footage and there's a lot of cool things about like old New York and you know, you nice. can, yeah, it's like the hip hop version of CBGB's. Because okay. that's how important that radio show used to be, you know, the pirate radio. 
Damn. Nice. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's, it's on Stretch Netflix. Stretch of Obito, maybe. Something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm it, sure people can Google it. I can I can tell you right now. Yeah, the, power, the power of the iPhone, baby. Right on. <laughs> um, that being said, while waiting for that, uh, we're getting pretty far ahead into the podcast here. Uh, I know we spoke about gigs, but by the time this comes out, what, again, uh, where are you at for New Year's? Tel Aviv, you said? Tel Aviv and, and Panorama. Uh, Panorama Bar, yep. Awesome. And I'm guessing Panorama is going to be on the first or second or something, right? Yeah, so this year is the first time ever the club will be open at the Bells and zero 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 zero. I am not that DJ playing, <laughs> but uh, I'm playing that that on that that time frame. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it's like forty acts 40 or acts, like yeah. it's gonna be a long one. Yeah, it starts on Saturday, ends on like Wednesday, or some some crazy. It's always shit. the messiest party of the year. Yeah. So the name of that documentary. And it goes highly recommended by me, <laughs> Stretching Babito, the radio that changed lives. It's on Netflix right now. It's incredible. There you go. Check it out if you're a hip hop fan or just in general, right? Just in general, man. I think it's really a piece of history. And when you start watching it, you can really feel it because it's not like hearsay where like, you know, they're sitting in rooms today talking about back then. Yeah. This is like, you're know, seeing it Bound in real footage. time. Yeah. yeah. Old footage from VCRs and stuff like that. And you can really feel the vibe. And there's some really funny shit about like Mutang clan and a lot of people that, you know, mm-hmm. we hold in really high regard. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. It's really worth watching. Right on. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so get back. You got those dates on New Year's for me. I'll be at Pal in Hamburg. Also. Oh, that's a great gig, man. Yeah, that's a fucking spot. awesome I venue. I think it's me and Afterman. Sick. So, you know, and he's a badass, so it'll be cool. What, that's on New Year's? Uh, New Year's Eve, yeah, so. Ah, you're the New Year's Eve yeah. headline. I'll look probably, at, look pro- at you, probably, motherfucker. Probably pop in and, and say hi to you at P-Bar. All right. Um, what else is coming up that people need to know about? Any podcasts or records or anything? Um, I have a Benny Rodriguez coming out uh, as Benny Rodriguez on the corner. Okay. That's the next one. You heard it here first. That's an exclusive, 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 That's exclusive. right. You heard the shit here. <laughs> um, and then I'm playing, I guess, Sao Paulo again in uh, March for Deck Mental Festival. That's like the big the big thing coming. Uh and uh I don't have any like mixes or anything really exciting right now coming. I mean I've done a lot of stuff this this year. Yeah, I was just gonna say you've done so much that if people are curious they can definitely just pop your name into Google and see what comes out. You know, I I did the fact mix over the summer, which was my first studio mix. Well wasn't really studio, I did it in in a club, I recorded it, but you know, it's like the one like behind closed doors that wasn't recorded live. Uh, that was, I did the fact. I did the boiler room at the deck mental. I did the deck mental. They recorded my set for Sao Paulo, which also went live. And I just recently did a red light radio show. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active. You got some stuff out there. Yeah, though. man. Maybe when I go home, I'll, I'll bug, uh, Tim Sweeney and get on Beats and Space, give him a nudge. Nice. There you I, go. I haven't been on that in a little while. Right on. I think the last time we were talking, was it already the last time you, you, you played a bunch of mill stuff and what's his face? The guy that always calls in was freaking out. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Victor. Victor. <laughs> from Washington Heights. Yeah. Oh, man. He's the best. <laughs> Is he still around? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I he's mean, still alive. I used to be a big uh, follower of Beats and Space and honestly, these days I just don't 
listen to much in general. Yeah, well, but. you know, uh, if you guys want to hear something really good, DJ Q was recently on it. Look for it, and uh, he he played an, an awesome Beats in Space show. I gotta check it out. It's His great. new records out too, and that was a fucking bomb, man. I That's my it. brother, man. I love yeah. Q. What's up, Q? Q uh, Q Q. Yeah, I'm definitely playing those tracks. So yeah, they, that that release is sick. Nice. It's good to have him back. You know, it's yeah, been a minute man. after his album, so. And uh, I don't know, Q, if you're listening, come back on the show too. Yeah. <laughs> right, maybe we can get you both on if you're here at the same time. That'd be that'd be, that'd nice. be fun. That'd be entertaining. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll work on that. Um, other than that, I think I'm, we're gonna check out here real shortly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything coming from my end? No. At this point, now you can check out uh, Deep Space Helsinki. I've done a radio show for them or a little DJ mix. Uh, so check that out, and uh, of course there'll always be more podcasts here, and it's going to be a busy fucking year for me on the release front. So I'll keep you posted. Ah, exciting times for the Mister Zon. That's right. Yes, sir. I got to make up for lost time, you know. All right, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, uh, I'll play some after this show here. So have a good one, man. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Bye, bye.